0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Manga Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer Spencer. Say hey to people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we are here for Chapter 14. Oh, the tragedy of Disney's Plus Mandalorian. While the episode hit me in the feels, made me sad, made me cry, made me upset. I think it was a pretty good episode. Spencer, what'd you think?
1: I think it was solid. It was a very heavily action-packed episode to the point it's almost difficult to talk about it because there was just about a 30 minute stretch in the center of where and a lot of stormtroopers die and that's kind of what occurs it was still entertaining it still had some good still had some good moments It had a hell of an ending to set off the <laughs> if we didn't have enough reasons to hate moff gideon already the fact that, that they f- have tiny little shackles on hand just adds to them
0: <laughs> i gotta tell you i am boycotting fried chicken after the end of this episode pisses me off um yeah that's a little bad breaking bad reference for all the All the fans out there. Um, Here's the thing, Spencer. There is a thing to talk about in this episode, and I am shocked that you are not super pumped. Like, I'm surprised you're not, like, Lee after the Ahsoka episode pumped, considering your fandom of a certain character that may or may not have returned in this episode. I can't believe you're, like, mum on it and calling this just a a hum-ho action episode, considering that return.
1: I work within a much more narrow emotional range than you do if you can't pick up the cues that I'm just shaking with excitement to discuss a certain aspect of this episode you don't know me as well as you think
0: okay well then I'm I'm lost in the sauce dude because I you had me going there because holy shit I was watching this episode and I was like it happened and I was like Oh, I can't wait to I, talk to Spencer. I, I, I hope I, Spencer's squealing right now.
1: I don't even know what you're talking about. Can't even guess. I mean, I'm <laughs> legitimately baffled as to what event you might be describing this episode that would just have me personally excited. I mean, I just saw a lot of action. There was a lot of set characters that we already knew and already seen quite a bit on the show. Just do things. I mean, what, what, what's really to celebrate here?
0: Well, maybe if we go through the recap, we can get to that point. So, everybody, make sure to listen to the end of this episode, because Spencer is going to get super excited. But, Spencer, before we get going, I think you do another podcast. I want you to plug it. Go.
1: Uh, You know, we do another thing that's called Mangum Reads. Again, it's a digital book club that you can participate in. Bring your drink, bring your book, have fun listening to us yabber on about things that we found interesting. We have discussed transitioning back to Harry Potter, the sub-show of Mangum Reads, Pottering Around, as we get now into the fourth book
0: of the series. I love Pottering Around, by the way. I'm a big fan. It
1: it is quite a bit of fun, Um, for those that don't have background on it. um, I have never read any of the Harry Potter books, and I've only seen one and a third of the movies, I think. So I had no frame of reference whatsoever going into the series. It was a key aspect of so many childhoods that was entirely left me behind, which I've just kind of vaguely bluffed over the years for how important it was for so many people. Now getting into reading them, I understand why so many people's childhood was wrapped up with them, how important they are to so many individuals' nostalgia. And it's starting to add to mine, even though I am a jaded, misanthrope old man now reading through them. But hopefully you'll enjoy it as we uh, go through the fourth book, uh, which, uh, Lee, help me out. What is the name of the fourth book right now?
0: I think it's The Goblet of Fire.
1: I think it is. Uh, we, uh, it it sounds in interesting. I mean, the first one I'm actually reading in a physical hardcover because so I actually bought a whole collection of them in a the yard sale,
0: so that will be fun. <laughs> cheap, man. Cheap, cheap, man.
1: I bought I, I bought three separate books for $1 combined, and I was proud of myself.
0: Um, yeah, so I maintain that Pottering Around is the best thing ever done on the Mangum Talks podcast channel. So if you haven't listened, go. And if you need some more incentive to go listen to that podcast, the intro music, sw- hand to God, is a mashup of Spencer humming the Harry Potter theme from the movies. So, I mean, that is probably worth the price of entry right there.
1: I'm not saying there was alcohol and peer pressure involved, but you may pick up a bit on that as you're listening to it.
0: Um, 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 oh my God. It's- <laughs> You got to go. You got to go watch, uh, listen to that. Uh, Pottering Around and Mangum Reads and the Mangum Talks Podcast channel. But the issue at hand here is chapter 14. uh, the tragedy of Mandalorian. Well, well, we there. go into the well, recap. There. Then we do best line of the episode. Spencer usually supplies me with some nominees for best line of the episode. I don't think we have a lot of nominees for this one, to be honest with you. And then we get in a nostalgic moment of the episode. I have absolutely no idea what we could possibly talk about
1: uh, for a nostalgic
0: moment of the episode. Maybe we just ditch the whole segment, Spencer. Should we?
1: I mean, it took place on Tython, so I guess Tython wins, because it's not like anything else we really turn to here.
0: (laughs) Anyway, maybe if we go through the recap, we'll find something. All right, you ready to go?
1: Uh, You know, begrudgingly, let's go on.
0: Here we go. We start with the Razor's Crest, and Grogu, Grogu, I'm going to call him Grogu from now on, is playing with his ball. God damn it, Mando, give him the ball. Mando is testing out his name, doing exactly what everyone in the fandom would be doing. By the way, Grogu, uh-huh, Grogu, uh-huh. that's what we all want to do. Grogu always responds to his name. By the way, and as funny as it is, right? We were laughing about the fact, that Grogu, uh-huh, Grogu. Uh-huh, it's actually kind of touching. It is because he is a obviously a very intelligent baby, and he's not heard his name in God knows how long. He's kind of he's got to be like a warm thing for him. This one person he can trust in the world now is actually calling him by the name he hasn't heard probably since he was scurried out of Coruscant uh, before Order 66.
1: Yeah, as, as much as there's later scenes in this episode that very much pull on your heartstrings, this one is really where the heart lies. This opening scene oh. of the two of them interacting and the de- this, the father-son energy that's going between them, particularly once he you know, invites him to use his force powers, it's, it's magical. I really love how much... This relationship has developed and really feels now earned and true.
0: And when this show started, I remember they casted the red viper, I only drink wine before a fight, Pedro Pascal. And I remember like everybody being like, Well, who who does it why does it matter who is in the suit? And that couldn't be, in retrospect, a dumber comment because Pedro Pascal is he really puts a lot into this character. And this scene right here is an example of it because, yeah, he's hiding behind the armor. You don't see his facial expressions, but you see his bodily cues and you hear the pitch of his voice. And oh my God, he is definitely embodying just what you talked about, that dad role with Grogu. And it makes what happens at the end of the episode all the more tragic. And uh, yeah, so uh, we go back into the recount. Um, He's got the ball and he's asking Grogu to grab it from him. I say, come on, kid. You know, come on, kid. And Grogu looks up, eyes closed, hand out, whoosh, grabs the ball through the force. And Mando gets super excited and slaps his knee and yells, Dink Ferret! Um,
1: <laughs> that, that is my son just scored the touchdown kind of reaction
0: right there. <laughs> so happy. Um, and he has, then he has to stop and say, no, 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 you didn't do anything wrong. I'm just Not bad. I'm, Not bad. I'm, Not bad. I'm just excited. I'm celebrating. Uh, And then he turns to him and he says, here's a, oh, here's a quote for you. When the nice lady said you had training, I just, you're a very special kid. We're going to find that place you belong and they're going to take real good care of you. This is Tython. This is where you are going to find you a Jedi, but you have to agree to go with them. Wow.
1: Yeah, Yeah, strong. You can, we, we discussed it in the last episode and it's even more apparent here. You can just hear him dying a little bit sideways saying this. He's duty bound. He knows it's best for the kid. He knows he can't give him the training, the the parenting that Grogu desperately needs. But it still just can be such a massive loss to him to let this kid, to leave this kid behind.
0: I also love that when my girl Ahsoka um, really kind of slipped up a little bit, kind of, kind of fell off uh, for just a few seconds and insinuated that maybe Grogu's powers should be allowed to fade. Mando, like me, like the rest of the fandom, did not entertain that concept at all.
1: Not for an instant.
0: (laughs) He is is insisting, even though it's going to hurt him, to have to give up Grogu and, and possibly never see him again. He is all in that Grogu needs to complete his training, just like me, just like the rest of the fandom. Man Um, tells me
1: my kid can practice magic. My kid going to learn magic. There is no debate about this anymore, woman.
0: God damn it. He is a magician. Uh, He says he can't train him. He asked Grogu if he wants to learn more of that Jedi stuff. Um, Really wholesome music plays (laughs) in the background. Um, And, you know, it's that warm sort of orchestral music, uh, very major tones or major chords. And um, you just know something bad's going to happen, right? It's too sweet it's too, of a moment. It's
1: too hopeful. It's not yeah. just the Jedi landing down and picking him up like it's the friggin' aliens from um, mm-hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It, clearly something's about to go wrong
0: here. Yeah. You, yeah. Of course, it's just going to be he gets on the scene. So, and You know, an armless Mace Windu drops out of the sky and picks him up and trains him forever. And he's a great Jedi. <laughs> of course, that's not going to happen. Um, We cut to the Razor's Crest descending into Tython, and I gotta say, I was surprised, Spencer, that we got Tython so quick. I thought we might get, like, an episode of him traveling, you know, maybe some sort of side quest or something. I didn't think, like, when Ahsoka was like, yeah, go to Tython, put him on the scene Stone, we were going to get that, like, in the time of the show, like, 15 minutes later.
1: Yeah, again... As noted in the last episode, Tython is not the deep core. And I checked the modern canon. It's still in the deep core. This man traveled the breadth of the galaxy to get to this point. Again, we're either doing little finger style travel here, or they just decided to yada yada like a month or two of moving of moving through the galaxy.
0: I think that's what they did. I think they yada yada it. But it's just interesting to me. We get it so fast, like, within the, the showtime. I mean, I, it just <laughs> Again, makes me this... kind of wonder what the hell we're going to get the rest of the season. Because we got two more episodes after this
1: it's it's interesting this show could really be a lot longer if they wanted it to be it's a it's a Mm -hmm. tight eight episodes but this could easily be a 13 episode season and it would still have a lot of material to work
0: with i bet yeah completely agree mando immediately finds the scene stone and he circles it and a beautiful shot of him circling the temple because you're you're inside the cockpit and you're seeing like the the razor's crest is like at an angle circling the scene stone and you're seeing it outside the cockpit window and man it is it's a beautiful shot. They did a great job with the CGI. Uh, Emmy time, I say. Uh, anytime something like that happens, I shout Emmy time. Um, did, you di- sh- did you know that? Did you know the show was uh, nominated for fifteen Emmys in season one?
1: No, I actually didn't. No, it's okay. actually an
0: Emmy. When I'm, I'm, I'm yelling Emmy time, like it's an Emmy player. Like that that well, shot might actually be what? nominated for the Emmys.
1: M- mostly technical or did it get a few of the uh, bigger ones too
0: it got ri- a lot of writing a lot of technical yeah good well, and it got right. overall best drama series uh, it didn't hey! even win but it got nominated for it
1: well you know it's it's always going to be in the sci-fi ghetto it's always going to have that difficulty when it comes to winning major awards until the series is done it's like the lord of the rings effect the first movie is the best but we're not going to give any awards until the third one's comes out and the series is done
0: yeah that was ridiculous um, Mando explains he can't land near the, the Jedi temple Because he like immediately notices the Jedi temple is pretty pretty easy to, to tell It's very, very high up And looks like kind of a Stonehenge type thing with um, in, in a circle of these very, very large rocks Says he can't land near it The area is too small He has to travel the last bit Quote, with the windows down Cut to Mando using his jetpack Holding Grogu And Grogu wind is enjoying the ride <laughs> Wind in his ears <laughs> Trademark that Spencer phrase Wind in his ears That's what we got uh, Grogu seemed seem to really be enjoying it and, uh, they get up to the temple. Mando, Go ahead. I,
1: I got to ask. We talked about this. Tython is scenic, but were you a little bit let down that it wasn't necessarily the steeped in mystery, magical place that it's described as being in the lore? Uh,
0: yes and no. I mean, like part of me was like, wait a second. It's supposed to be a Jedi temple. All this is, is a few rocks. Like there's supposed to be a temple here. Like this is supposed to be bigger. But then I thought that is not then then the I kinda of thought through logically I was like, that's not the point of this episode. So it's
1: not it's not the point. Tython is just a location. It's like we talked about is that they could have picked another one other yeah. than Tython. Tython's got history. But I, I, again yeah. it's still a very scenic, beautifully beautifully filmed location.
0: Agreed. They I I think it would have they would have been better served to not do Tython. They wouldn't have got in the muck of the Legends lore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh Amanda says, Well, this is it. Does this look Jedi to you?
1: (laughs) Help me out here, kid. I don't know this. Does
0: this look Jedi to you? Mando is so pedestrian with all of this stuff. Like, he's just completely clueless. Mando places Grogu down. I guess you sit right here. Okay, here we go. This is the scene stone. Are you seeing anything? Are they supposed to see you? <laughs> and he, he's, he's, again, very pedestrian, very like childlike knowledge of the Force, doesn't know what the hell's going on, but also kind of talking for the fandom. Because, I, uh, Spencer, I don't know if you know through legends, lore, or background that I'm not aware of. I'm not sure how the scene stone works. I don't know if he's seeing Jedi, they're seeing him, how it, you know, who who's communicating with who in the Force.
1: I have no clue how this works. And it's a really interesting, funny kind of scene because, again, We have two actors on scene, one of them doesn't speak, and one of them we can't see the facial expressions of. And you go without the facial expressions is having to act for two to work through this scene. And the legitimate confusion both he and the fandom has as to what is going to happen next. But it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, agreed. 100% agree with you. Mando starts looking for a control. That is hashtag on brand, if ever I've seen There's hashtag a on brand from Mando. He's looking for a switch to turn on the force of the scene. So, can we turn on the magical powers here somewhere? People, come on! Is there a generator, auxiliary generator somewhere?
1: It's like my, it's like my dad calling and asking Spencer, "What remote do I use to turn on the to, to, to turn on the Chromecast?" It's like it, I I love the confusion are playing All this It's like. His son is learning a foreign language and he wants to be supportive, but he has not the slightest clue what's going on during this presentation.
0: I'll take that metaphor a bit further. I think it's kind of like your dad calling and saying, what remote do I use for Alexa?
1: (laughs) Yes, that works.
0: (laughs) Mando looks around the stone as Grogu notices a butterfly and he very cutely reaches out for it, starts cooing yet again. Spencer, this is too good. They're setting me up. I could feel it during the episode.
1: What do you feel, man? What do you feel?
0: I feel like I'm just going to fall off a cliff (laughs) Emotionally Mando implores uh, Grogu Ahsoka said all I had to do was get you here And you do the rest Mando looks up and sees a very familiar ship Is that Boba Fett's music? (laughs) Is Slave 1 in the arena ladies and gentlemen? Mando!
1: Mando! Do you hear the boss music playing right now? (laughs) Yes is that Boba? Oh Fett's my music, god,
0: ladies and gentlemen.
1: Oh my god. Mando slave works. 1, it is Slave 1 is flying over. Boba Fett is arriving on the scene. Stop everything.
0: Morning edition needs to be rewritten. Woo! Big moment. Big moment. Big moment for The Mandalorian, but even bigger for the fandom. Uh, one of the great, the single greatest introduction, well, the greatest introduction of the movies
1: and one of the most expanded on lovely introductions from the Legends lore is arriving on scene. There is no more debate. There is no more silhouette in the shadows of man armed with Tusken Raider gear turning to the camera. That is, Boba Fett is arriving.
0: So, a few things on this. One, I it genuinely surprised me but it's not out of the realm of the narrative, right? It's not, like, it's not like a shock that when you look at it, you're like, oh God, that doesn't fit. Like it fits, but it's still fucking shocking. And two, yes, we knew Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit. I had no idea he still had Slave One.
1: No, no. The, the fact that that kind of iconic ship is still with him, he's still flying around, and just like he pursued the Millennium Falcon through hyperspace, he is now hunted down the Razor's Crest. It's just great.
0: And hunted down the Razor's Crest when he had no way of track like the, the tracking beacon that's on the Razor's Crest is Imperial. Boba Fett was able to track him some fucking how. And remember, before like before that tracking beacon was on, Moff Gideon and all the resources he had at his disposal was not able to track the Razor's Crest. No. But Slave no. One is able to do it. Boba Fett's able to do it. This implies that he's just been doing
1: like legitimate detective work. Like a lot of scenes that we did not see him around. Was Mm -hmm. he just around listening in so he could track where where Mando was going?
0: Yeah. I I think there's like 30 minutes of him chatting with Amy Sedaris. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean the little green guy. Yes. I mean the little green guy.
1: And and then him landing at, uh, what was it? Corvus? Was that the name of the the planet Mm -hmm. we were on with? talking uh, mm-hmm. to talk with the locals about, hey, so the Jedi, what, did she say anything? What she say? Oh yeah, I met something like named Titan Thank you. Appreciate the tip. and just
0: goes. Amazing that he's able to find him. So a lot in that moment to unpack. But yes, Spencer, that is Boba Fett's music. Boba Fett is in the arena. Mando panics. Says, time's up, kid. They have to leave. And Grogu, with all my heart, I love Grogu. King of bad timing. Like... Then it turns on. The emperor of bad timing then goes into a force trance with a. This sounds hokey, Spencer. I don't know what other phrase to use. Help me out. Force field.
1: It. it, Wow. Yeah. Didn't really think about that. But yeah, it is (laughs) some form of force field is generated right now. I feel crazy
0: saying that phrase because it sounds like it's so stupid. But like, I don't know what else to call it. He's he is clearly entranced in the force. He's communicating the force, and there is some sort of energy field around him.
1: I, I love too that there's just just radiating hostility coming from Slave One. That Mando doesn't know this ship. He has nope. no idea who this is. Nope. But He takes one look at it and goes, "That's Uh-oh. bad."
0: Yeah. Well, it's a boss ship too. Oh yeah. Uh, that is not a cheap ship at all. Mando tries to. It's yeah. It, <laughs> we can compare it with the Razor's Crest. <laughs> Slave One, not the Razor's Crest. Okay, ladies and no, gentlemen. No. You're you're talking key at a Cadillac here. It's completely different. Uh, Mando tries to get Grogu out of this force field, force trance, and he gets physically knocked back, which we've we've read a lot in the new canon. We've read a lot about the force. Um, Ray does some very weird kind of s- unexplainable things with the force in some of the later movies. I've never seen this sort of like big field that like literally that someone communicates in the force with that literally knocks anybody back if they try to go into it. I, I've never seen anything like this before. Spencer, have you?
1: There have been aspects of, like, again, force shield or or force bubbles that I've seen before in the lore or seen some implied, but they have this kind of very visible radiating shooting up into the sky effect. Makes me wonder to what degree is this the temple? Is this the planet? And to what degree this is Grogu working working together with it?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Mando uses Mando vision to see someone cloaked leaving the ship. Who could that be? I wonder. (laughs) Mando runs down the hill as Grogu is still in the force and he gets fired on with what sounds like a very large gun. I've been tracking you, Mandalorian.
1: I you know I, it, it's one of those things of where I I had some mixed feelings about them re-editing back the prior films to insert this guy as the as Boba Fett's lines, but I got to give him credit. The gravitas that he brings to this role. This just tr- the deep, imagine. concentrated, efficient confidence that he engages in his actions. is just great.
0: It's strong. Uh, Mando, are you Jedi or are you after the child? The man removes his hood and ladies and gentlemen, it is him. indeed Boba Fett in the flesh from Tatooine. He's found him. He is here.
1: And is still armed with his freaking gaffy stick and his Tusker Raider Giselle. Just like, this is what he has now. I would love to know more about what he spe- how he spent the last five years to be equipped in this manner.
0: I have an inkling, Spencer, That in some form of media, you're going to get that answer at some point. I'm not sure if it's a show. It won't be a movie. I. It might be a comic. It might be a book. But you are going to get that answer if you want to go find it.
1: No, no, man. We've discussed this. Disney is very sparing when it goes into discussing this kind of material. It gives us like a one movie and it just leaves it to the fan base to develop its own things afterwards. I think it's very unlikely they're ever going to expand upon anything that is hinted on this show.
0: Never find any other sources of revenue now. Um, <laughs> um, I'm here for the armor Mando if you want my armor you'll peel it off my dead body N- not not a leap for Mando to assume that he's talking about his armor every fucking person he meets wants his armor we've talked about this on the show it's like walking around with like a stack of hundreds on your chest um Boba Fett explains he doesn't want Mando's armor he wants his armor that you got from Cobb Vanth Cobb Vanth Probably the first time you've ever actually used this name, on the it, am I pronouncing that right, Spencer?
1: Uh, I think it's pronounced Seth Bullock.
0: Ah, there it is, Seth Bullock. It, it, um, it, the
1: spelling's weird, but I think that's how you pronounce it.
0: Yeah, I was off on that. Cobb Vance. No, 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 no that's that's wrong. Seth Bullock. Um, if you if you're unaware of where he's from, he's from Montana. Uh, Sheriff. Um, yeah, whole thing. He's, he owns a hardware he, he, store.
1: He spent he spent time both in the Dakotas and on Tatooine. The man ranges far.
0: <laughs> this uh Mando asked, are you Mandalorian? Great line here. Potential line of the episode from Boba Fett. I'm a simple man making my way through the galaxy like my father before me. Oh, my God, Spencer. I don't know if you caught it, but we've got a double reference oh, in, yeah. that, in that line. Double reference. We get Jango Fett reference. I'm a simple man making my way through the galaxy. And we get a Luke Skywalker reference like my father before me said in Return of the Jedi.
1: It's a great series of lines. It's a great series of lines. I was really almost... I was kind of surprised at myself how much a reference to Django Fett would touch me. I mean, he's in what is debatably one of the worst of the prequels, and we only have three to pick from, but Attack of the Clones was not great. But he was a good addition to it, and he clearly had a lot of history that would have been fascinating to see more of. So seeing his name dropped here, I was... I, I got a little bit teary for a second to hear that kind of legacy proudly announced by Boba Fett...
0: So good. Such good writing. Mando asked if he took the creed. Boba Fett said he has allegiance to no one. He goes on to explain that the armor was his father's. Mando asks, what would stop me from killing you right now? Boba Fett says, well, if you do that, sharpshooter has a locked scope and will unload it by the time my body hits the ground. Mando points out he's got Beskar. Hmm, I've got Beskar. I've got one with the armor. Huh, huh, huh. Boba explains the sniper won't be shooting at him. It'll be shooting at Grogu. Uh, unclear to me at this point, if a sniper bullet would actually go through Grogu's, Grogu's force field. I think that's a little thats a little detail that Boba Fett was not quite ready for. Yeah,
1: I think it's a detail Boba Fett's not, not quite ready for, but I think it's also a detail that Mando is in no way emotionally ready to test.
0: No, not at all. But, uh, you know, if finnick we, we'll get to Finnick later. Oh, sorry, spoiler. Um, <laughs> does unload, I'm not sure it's going to touch Grogu, to be honest with you. I i, I would bet I, that it wouldn't, but again, we don't have any, any way to know that.
1: I'm very much, from what we've seen of how force powers can work to actually block bolts or even absorb bolts. Uh, I'm very inclined to think that it wouldn't, but like hell does Mando have the slightest clue that that's a possibility.
0: Yeah. Uh, Boba Fett hears a voice <clears throat> or uh, sorry, Mando hears a voice. And if you remember, I don't miss ladies and gentlemen, is that Phoenix music? That's right. Back in the flesh over the top rope. Phoenix back from the dead. Great. uh, Holy shit, though, because if you're going to bring back any of the, like, bit characters that have been killed, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Finnick was top of my list. Uh,
1: Very much so. We both talked about how quickly we found that character interesting and how disappointed we were that she was taken out so quick. It was, I was very, I was both, I wasn't necessarily surprised. We had hints that her character might be returning based on the very interesting ending scene around, around her death. But seeing her here teamed up with Boba Fett. I'm overjoyed, as like yeah, you said, I mean, one of the best bit characters they could bring back from season one.
0: They're connecting the dots because we did see a hooded character approach Phoenix's uh, body and, at the end of that episode,
1: and hmm. we got that wrong. You and I got that wrong, sir. We had no point to assume that was Boba Fett walking up to her body.
0: No, I, didn't, I didn't know that was Boba Fett. Uh, Mando threatens to kill them. Um, I am a Star Wars scholar, so this is the the tech. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, this technical term: the spinny whirly things.
1: Spinny whirly things, um, yes, yes, spinny
0: yes. whirly things on his list. Uh, his wrist, Boba Fett suggests that they put their weapons down and have a chat. Spencer, I would like to begin a conversation with you about the Boba Fett character that we are going to continue kind of in fits and starts through the rest of this podcast. And that is Boba Fett has changed.
1: Boba Fett has grown up. He has matured. I mean, there, there are elements of this, the legends character. He's a very complex character in the legends lore, but it almost, I don't know to what degree it is rewriting or them suggesting that he has over the course of what he endured over the course of several years now, become a much more adult figure, a much more mature figure, much more not defaulting to violence as his first nature of actions that he does.
0: Now in that movie that you just shot all upon, uh, attack of the clones, uh, Mace Windu.
1: Good, sir. It's not good. And you need to admit it. It's important part of coping.
0: I I, I mean, I just, I honestly disagree. I actually like the movie. So we we just differ there. Um, Uh, Mace Windu removes the head of Jango Fett yes. and Boba Fett watches this and actually has this heartbreaking moment where he goes over and like looks at the head which is kind of like a super dark moment for Star Wars and in the Clone Wars the, the animated show Boba Fett exacts his revenge he actually captures Mace Windu um, in an attempt to, to kill him and he is a very, of course, still a kid at this point so, you know, he grows up obviously there's generations later, but he is very petty, full of anger, and wants is motivated by nothing but revenge to get Mace Windu for what he saw. So this is this shows that his character has completely changed over the years, and I would suggest changed from what we saw in Return of the Jedi, because he was not he was not a put your guns down guy no. before he went into that sarlacc.
1: I mean, what little we get of him in the original films, but I love how sparing they are with him. It's mostly just the image of him. But- huh? He's a character that Darth Vader feels the need to put a finger in his face and say, no disintegrations. He's got that kind of reputation about how he goes about his bounties. He's a character that goes up to Vader and almost grabs him by the collar and says, he's not worth anything to me dead. This is his motivation. It is self-serving, it is self-interested. Violence is his main means to go about things. The Legends lore never fully takes him all the way to anti-hero in terms of how far his arc goes and how many different things he engages in. But we get to see a bit more complexity about him, a bit more willingness to do things that are beyond just simply his own motivation. But that's still the driving force for a lot of where he starts and where he would be as a character at this point. Now, here's a question. I would encourage you and our fan base to do this, because I think this has been tele- this kind of adjustment to his character has been telegraphed a while. Have you ever listened to the redubbed lines of when they brought in this actor to redub the lines in, the, in, the, uh, in Empire Strikes Back?
0: not like i mean i've 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 watched the empire strikes back when the when that character had the redubbed lines but i haven't like like sat down and like listened to it like to yeah
1: there's a 30 second youtube video where it does line by this guy line by original actor okay uh and compares the two and it suggests that they've been wanting to kind of bring in this more honorable aspect to his character this more i have a code i do my code i accomplish my mission for a while even in necessarily kind of rewriting the old films. So it is a very different performance by this actor when he's saying the same lines as the original actor is. And it's an interesting watch. Um, I think that could be an explanation. What I prefer, though, is that this man literally fell into hell. He fell into a fucking sarlacc pit. We don't know what he has done for the last five years or what effect that could have on him, but you see the scars that are just streaked across this guy's face. There is history that we have not seen. And there is an opportunity for character growth or character adjustment that we may not be familiar with. I kind of prefer that route. And like you said, it leaves open a fascinating degree of additional media we could get to explain the transition from Boba Fett trying to shoot Luke in the goddamn face versus Boba Fett. Now suggesting everybody put down their guns and that we talk about this like gentlemen,
0: have a chat, have a chat. Um, Boba, Boba says there is no need for bloodshed. Um, Mando, uh, asked them to put the gun down. Boba says they'll do it when he puts down the jet pack. Okay. All right. Spencer, I'm anticipating a quibble. I'm anticipating a quibble with the putting down the jet pack. Do you have a quibble?
1: I got a little bit of a quibble just cause I just don't understand the focus necessarily on the jet pack. Did you?
0: So it makes sense to me in that he's, He's trying to create a level playing field, and he knows that with the jetpack on, Mando can at any point shoot up, get leverage. You know, be a moving target and just kill the both of them. No one would know that better than Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Sure. What we see in Return of the Jedi is that, that as soon as he needs leverage over his opponent, he uses the jetpack because mm-hmm. he wants to get he wants to get airborne, he wants to get moving. So to me, it does make sense that Boba Fett would ask him to remove the jetpack now. A lot of people in the fandom are saying that's super convenient. It's a weird thing to ask him to take down. Why didn't he ask him to take away the, the spinny-whirly things mm-hmm. or anything else that he has on him? Okay, I understand that. But, but you have to understand, Boba Fett does understand the power of the jetpack.
1: It, it, it works enough for me. And it's also him also probably reading what limited things you could reasonably ask Mando to put down right now. That's a concession that Mando is willing enough to do in a way that he might not do some other things. And that's protective, like you said. It's removing one thing that he'd have the least amount of control over. Because the rest of Mando's armor, Fett knows the weaknesses. He knows the gaps. Like, hell, if it came to a fight between Boba Fett and Mando, even with, Boba, even with Mando and armor, I'm not necessarily betting on Mando here. <laughs> Probably because he wouldn't, you wouldn't, you'd underestimate his opponent.
0: Finnick comes down and says, you look like you've seen a ghost. Mando, you were dead. Boba, Boba, she was left for dead. Uh, Let me. She was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, as was I. But fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. Great fucking line. Not a great impression, by the way. I'm still working on it. But holy shit, great line. But fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched.
1: It's a great line. It is, and you know I'm going to give you credit, man. I. Pretty impressed, honestly, with your accent, given this type of level in and out. Look at me.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I get the I get the, the point from Spencer there. Yeah, fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. I think that's obviously a potential best line of the episode. I loved it. I, I thought that was really great writing. It is. It's a good one. God, I love how he says Tatooine, too. Tatooine. Yeah. Left for dead on the sons of Tatooine. He says Tatooine. He, I don't know how he says Tatooine, but it's the right way to say Tatooine. Everybody else is saying it wrong.
1: I, gotta listen, I need to listen to this actor's accent outside of this role because if that's just the, his natural New Zealand Maori kind of accent, I'm, that is awesome.
0: Yeah, he needs to do more voice acting if that's the case. Phoenix says that Boba Fett was the fate. He was that fate, right, that stepped in to rescue her and shows that she now has metal insides. So she's a little bit Darth Vader-esque. <clears throat> uh, Boba reiterates that he wants his armor. Mando says it goes against the Mandalorian Creed what the fuck mando like just sh- shut the fucking kid. The man's fucking armor um now there is a quibble that is inherent it's unspoken in this entire conversation spencer i would like your reaction to the potential quibble of why the fuck didn't boba fett take this armor from seth bullock sometime in the last five years why is he waiting to take it from mando
1: I don't know. There's a lot of ways we could hand wave this. There's a lot of ways we could explain this. The fact that he has Slave One means he might not have always just been on Tatooine. He might have returned relatively recently to see this. We don't the one, now that we know he has a spaceship, we don't have any reason to, to suggest that he was just hanging out with the Tuscans this entire damn time. So maybe that works. Maybe he felt like he could talk with a Mandalorian and a Mandalorian would understand this. It could again suggest that he's a person that does not want to default to violence against people. He doesn't feel like he deserves it anymore in a way that probably would inevitably result it if he just walked up to Cobb Vanth and asked for, sorry, Seth Bullock and asked for it. There you go. Um, I don't know. There's any number of ways we could hand wave this. They just haven't given us enough to be certain which one is the one they intend.
0: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I've got two potential answers here. One is that he didn't ever feel confident that in hand-to-hand combat he could beat the armor, um, and that's pro- who knows. I don't know. I mean, Boba Fett's a badass. He proves it later, but I mean, that armor has a lot of tricks and stuff, and he knows that the, uh, Seth Bullock knows how to use at least some of them. So maybe he didn't feel like comfortable that he could he could defeat the armor one-on-one, and he didn't have really any backup until he, you know, got got Finnick. Uh, he, he, he put Finnick back to life and she she became indebted to him. And by the time that happened, Mando already had the armor. So I, I don't know. Or it could be that maybe he felt like the armor was being put to good use and he didn't feel like stepping in because he felt like Seth Bullock was using the armor for a righteous purpose. I don't know. One of the two, maybe.
1: It's not clear, but there are enough explanations that it doesn't hurt me enough. I can get my, I can create my own head cannon here without too much of a struggle.
0: Uh, then uh, then we get this from Boba Fett. The armor was given to my father, Django. In exchange, I guarantee the safety of the child, as well as your own. Now, uh, I don't know about you, Spencer, but I was at the poker table watching Mando with the royal flush that hit on the river saying, fucking call the bet. Take the deal, Mando. This is Boba Fett you're talking to. <laughs> Give him the armor. He's just told you that he will guarantee the safety of Grogu as well as your own. You have been absolutely struggling to keep grogu safe take the deal
1: would you consider mando a man that trusts easily
0: you're you're absolutely explaining why he doesn't take the deal and you're 100 right i'm just saying
1: i know it's the a good fucking
0: deal it's a great
1: deal he also does not know baba fett <clears throat> perfectly possible that even he knows if, fennec he, he knows fennec sure but here's a question Despite Boba Fett's reputation, knowledge throughout the galaxy, if he dropped his name right, he did drop his name right here. And I don't, I didn't see any reaction from Mando. I don't think he even knows who this is.
0: It might've been long enough that he forgot. It also might've been that where Boba Fett was infamous, where he was known is probably in the empire circles, right? Because like when, when Darth Vader needed a bounty hunter, yeah, he called some other ones, but right at the end of that line, even standing up a little bit, a little bit higher, he gets special treatment from Darth Vader, is Boba Fett. So it could be that where Boba Fett was famous slash infamous, it just was a different circle than what Mando's from. Could be that.
1: It also is uh, very possible too that just, it's another further reflection on the very, purposefully limited education that Mando got. I mean, he didn't know other Mandalorian customs. He didn't know that other Mandalorians operated differently. Maybe been a very pointed thing that the armorer and his group, um, what were they called again? I actually, uh, children of the watch, was that it? Uh,
0: yeah, children Something. of the watch. Yeah, that's right, yep, children uh, of the watch.
1: That they just didn't want them to know about different uh, other Mandalorian ways of life because Boba Fett clearly does not fit into a lot of the aspects of their philosophy.
0: I agree. Finnick explains that the bounty on Grogu has risen significantly. That's not a shocker. Finnick says he could buy 10 suits of armor for the price on Grogu's head. Slightly concerning?
1: That That's, is I would
0: say slightly concerning. I mean, we know that this the armor that Mando has is so valuable that uh, like handfuls of people now have on screen given their life to try to get it. It's so valuable that Pretty much, and I've talked about it. every fucking conversation Mando has to have starts with, man, nice armor. I'd like it. Can you give it to me? She says 10 suits of armor for the mm-hmm. price on Grogu's head. Even more. And then, and then, of course, Boba says, I think we're offering a failed, fair deal considering the circumstances. More than fucking fair, Boba. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> more and, than fair.
1: And you also got to keep in mind that Mando was paid in this suit of armor to catch the child in the first place. And not even all of the armor. He was paid, like, was just, like, the breastplate? Was that, I yeah. Think, I think that was his payment.
0: And that yeah, was a it was, like, two of, a of those little blocks to, to take Grogu. So think about how, how high the bounty on Grogu has gotten. And I, I'm i not surprised by that, by the way. Not surprised. I'm, I'm a little startled at the number. But I'm not surprised it got really high, because Moff Gideon is a, a vindictive, angry person who can get tunnel vision we know this from other literature in the Star Wars universe, and he is singularly focused on getting Grogu.
1: Oh yeah, but I mean, like, and just into like relative comparisons of the prices we're talking about here. This is this is like Moth Gideon saying, "Hey, get me the child, and I'll trade you. I don't know, a Nebulon B frigate." That's the level of price we're talking Unbelievable. about. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it's so high. But and Boba does, you know, iterates that they have a fair deal considering the circumstances. Everyone looks up and is that the Empire's music? Yes, we have an Imperial transport come flying in and lands near Slave One and the Razor's Crest. Mando runs up the hill, does not pick up his jetpack, gets mm-hmm. to the top and tells Grogu they have got to go. But Grogu is still in the Force. Mando tries to get into it. He pushes hard this time. very close. Step by step by step. I think he got about a foot away from him, didn't he, Spencer? He got very close this time.
1: He was almost within touching distance, and but again, he was propelled back. Doesn't get knocked out this time as much, but you know.
0: No, this time he got knocked out. But this time he this got. Is, knocked out. Okay, got gotcha. This is the one where he flew back, hit the ground, and appears to be knocked out. Then Boba Fett and this is—I felt like this is very interesting and very telling about where Boba Fett and Finnick are coming from with respect to Mando, because. They have this standoff with them, right? Like, it's like, they're like looking at each other, like maybe maybe we're going to shoot, maybe we're going to shoot. And then when the Empire, when that music plays, they come into the squared circle, Uh, Boba Fett and Finnick immediately get in a sniper position and start firing. So I don't think their heart was ever in this sort of battle with Mando. I don't think they ever had real beef with Mando.
1: No, clearly not. And also from their perspective too, and as, I think is hammered home later on in the episode, they set down terms. They made an offer and they intend to fulfill that. Yep. Even though Mando did not formally accept, from their perspective, we set on our honor that we would do this in exchange for that. And we're going to start performing now.
0: And now we get into the part of the episode where you were talking about, where it's just a lot of action. So I, I'm going to do a summary of it. Um, don't don't hesitate to cut me off if there's anything in this you want to talk about, Spencer. Just jump in at any point.
1: Sounds fine. We'll, dis- we'll discuss overall opinions of it once you get to the end.
0: Fennec starts taking them out. One of the stormtroopers takes a concealed position, but most try basically to just get to Fennec by just running at her, which is the common stormtrooper uh, way to fight, right? It's just like just brute numbers just fly at them. Boba Fett's waiting with the staff he's been carrying around, and good lord is Boba <gasps> Fett and a bad ass! <laughs> Woo! He uses that staff. Oh my God, he's good with this Spencer. Now this tells me he something happened in those five years. He got practice with that staff.
1: I Man, I, I that is probably my my favorite parts of this fight. I got a lot of quibbles with respect to these fight scenes, um, but seeing Boba Fett in action again, yes. particularly, as you said, starting with this Gaffy stick, as he's bringing out this Tuscan Gaffy stick, I'm. It was always kind of like a joke in the fandom. Okay, okay the Tuscans attack people with a big with a big war club. How scary is that?
0: Well, well, this man know. is
1: shattering blast steel with this thing, and the look on his face, the concentrated, focused rage that this man is going about his actions, is just delightful.
0: Badass. Very brutal scene here. Boba Fett takes out a handful of stormtroopers, and it looks like at the end he actually caves in the face of one of them. Oh Spencer, yeah! this is this is not your mom and dad's Star Wars. This is a different Star Wars we're dealing with. This this guy got his face caved in. More stormtroopers pour, pour out. One of them sets up a cannon, and a few others set up an e-web. Finnick keeps firing uh, from up top, moving between boulders. Um, she's a very very smart, uh, very smart Halo player here, right? She's moving between yes. cover uh cover to cover boulders. Yeah, cover to cover. Uh, They fire a shot from the cannon at her that loosens a boulder. Fennec then dislodges the boulder with her feet and it barrels down the hill toward the stormtroopers who puzzlingly do not move. The guy with the e-web even tries to shoot the boulder, I guess to explode it maybe. Pretty sure that guy has played too many video games because that's some (laughs) shit you do in a video game. Not some shit that works in real life. And, uh, man, these stormtroopers are meeting a very brutal end in this episode. Uh, you had people's face getting caved in. You got Finnick doing headshots from behind boulders and now an actual boulder storming over and crushing these stormtroopers. Um, you know, at the end of this scene, it's pretty, it's pretty brutal. Cut to Boba Fett taking out some of the guys shooting at Finnick. I love the Boba Fett music. Mm. I don't know if you caught this Spencer, but Boba Fett has his own music. Every time he's kicking ass, there's just, it's a different music that plays.
1: It is, it is good. I love, it's been a very interesting design choice in their part that I like about it. So many of the characters have their own little refrain. They have their own mm-hmm. little, uh, just, I, I'm blanking yep. on the word, but their own little song, their own little uh, tone that plays theme. when they yeah, come theme. to a, a theme. Yes. And it, it's really a lot of fun to hear those, be able to even hear them before we see the character.
0: Yeah, the Boba Fett music is orchestral, it's daunting, it's driving. And during it, Boba Fett delivers, using that staff to absolutely mark some motherfuckers. Then Boba Fett looks at the Razor's Crest, which still has its ramp open. Could we get it, Spencer?
1: Could we get I it? We will. I I I love I love Boba Fett's tactics here too, where he's just operating. He knows that he doesn't have armor. He knows that he basically has a long range rifle and a gaffy stick. So he's mostly using surprise and little covert tactics, and he's using it to get behind them and kill the only officer we see right here.
0: Yeah, fucking boss. Cut to fennec shooting some stormtroopers who are trailing her, and she's able to kill them after a very killer jump shot move that gets the slow mo treatment from the producers here. Fucking awesome. She like does a spin as she's jumping down like the side of a hill and just firing away. Mm. Then she looks up and another fucking Imperial transport is landing. (sighs) Jesus. Cut to Mando who woke up, but he's still trying to get Grogu out of the force field. It pushes him back yet again. Mando in a heartbreaking, heartbreaking line here, Spencer. This is tear worthy. Um, No shame in it. He says, okay, I'm going to protect you. I'll be back soon. Mm-hmm. Then Grogu, as I mentioned before, he's got the crown. He's number one. He's got the gold medal king of poor timing. Comes out of the forest and collapses. <sighs> Scared the shit out of me when that happened.
1: Yeah, that opened up so many avenues of unpleasantness.
0: Mando and Finnick are surrounded by stormtroopers. Mando uses his spinny-whirly things to kill a bunch of them and then uses his body armor to cover Finnick. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Spencer.
1: Come on. Even... I know. This is a great show. This is a lot of fun action. I got some quibbles about how dumb and how many stormtroopers are just dying in mass right here. Again, that's just how they kind of use stormtroopers in the show, as much as it annoys me. But this scene right here feels like it is purposefully directed against me. This is like, this is me yeah, realizing yeah. that Favreau listens to our show and said, Oh, you don't like that I made armor overpowered? Well, let me show you how overpowered I can make it right now
0: unbelievable man. He literally is just, and these stormtroopers are like 20 feet away and he's literally just like putting Finnick behind him and just taking blaster shots. I have never really had a problem with the, the power of Beskar, the strength of Beskar in the show until that moment uh, that flipped it for me. Just so you know, like now I'm, I'm kind of with you. I thought that was a little bit too much. Um, it, it even go goes ahead.
1: farther than that one scene that we already complained a little bit about where he runs in the enemy fire to toss the grenades when they're, t- when they're trying to take that ship with Boca Yeah, Tom. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, he's still in pain he's still flinching he's still getting knocked down he's still on his knees practically crawling by the time he gets to the door yes. here he's not even stopping witty banter he's like yeah. basically just moving his shoulders a little bit is he's getting hit by like how many shot times does he get shot like
0: yeah, at 30? least like yeah a ton in that witty banter, he mentions he owns owes Fennec for the last time she says no we have a deal important line because as you pointed out Spencer if they set the terms of the deal Fennick is establishing we have a deal Mm -hmm. Mando keeps shooting stormtroopers as he takes direct shots to his armor. Then, boom, a grenade is thrown right in the middle of the troopers. Is that Boba Fett's music? Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. Boba drops in using his armor. We see Boba Fett in the armor. In armor. armor. In
1: In the the armor. armor. The man has returned. He has picked up his sword.
0: Oh, my God. Spencer, cigarette time. Using the blasters (laughs) he has on. At one point, even using shots fired from his fucking knee, Spencer. It, He's got a gun in his knee. Uh, uh,
1: we t- you talked about Cobb Cobbmanith understanding the armor. Bet you money, he had no clue that half this stuff was there.
0: He didn't. He didn't know about the knee. The knee blaster. I'm pretty sure about that. That was enough to freak out the troopers. By the way, very funny. I thought that was a funny detail when Boba Fett starts working everybody in his armor. The stormtroopers go, fall back, fall back, retreat, retreat.
1: We're done. So we done. know this guy.
0: They're done. The two Imperial transports take off as Boba Fett walks around like a badass, his music playing. Boba uses Boba Vision to lock in the transports, fires the one remaining missile in his backpack, which I referenced all the way back in episode one, uh, our re- our Megaplex TV review of episode one. I noted this. Noticed that there was one missile still left. Uh, Seth Bullock used one. In a flashback, there was two in Return of the Jedi. Seth Bullock used one. He still has one. He uses it, fires it, it, hits one of the transports. The one on the top, it explodes and falls into the other. The proverbial two birds, one stone right here. Both fucking transports, transports are destroyed. And Spencer, Boba Fett, is a beast. Mando says, nice shot. Funny line from Boba here. I was aiming for the other one.
1: I love that kind of Magnificent Seven reference. It's a great line. (laughs) I'm almost willing to believe he's just kidding with respect to that and
0: just being humble. Yeah, I think that's what he was doing. Then they see a huge, huge shot get fired, and (gasps) it hits the Razor's Crest and completely fucking destroys it. Spencer, this is the this is the this is the spaceship of the show. This is the Millennium Falcon of the Mandalorian. And in a second, I had—I n- did not see this coming. This absolutely stunned me. But the Razor's Crest is no more.
1: Yeah, man, I was legitimately shocked. Razor's Crest isn't just destroyed. This what? isn't like the, don't worry, they can fix it. This is the million-dollar man situation. They can make it better. It is freaking ash by the time this episode is done.
0: I couldn't believe it. I, I it absolutely stuns me that the Razor's Crest is gone. I mean, Spencer, I have got a Lego set. Of the Razor's Crest, the Razor's Crest has merch. <laughs> and they just fucking destroyed it. Stunning, and uh, Boba uh, Boba takes it in. Mando takes it in, and you can see just the complete shock in his body. He couldn't. His ship is gone, and Boba Fett takes off for Slave One. Very smart move. Yeah, yeah. Like... yeah, yeah. Don't let that cannon get fired back up. Boba Fett wants uh, Slave One to make it out of this thing.
1: It's particularly a big deal, just given the. Uh... Uh, the kind of show this is in, ter- in terms of a space Western space Westerns, the ship is as much a character as the characters are. You're not, you're not going to yeah, blow up serenity yeah. on firefly. Even if serenity crashes, they are able to fix it and put it back in the air. Cause it's a character. It's like, the, when the co- it's like the cowboy losing his horse. It's like, you know, lone ranger losing, tr- um, not lone ranger. Uh, it's like trigger dying or something in the show. It's never going to happen.
0: I, I, I'm just, uh, I can't believe they did that. Mando retreats to go get Grogu with Fennec, still doesn't get his jetpack. <sighs> Cut to Moff Gideon who says send in the dark troopers. <laughs> pause. It's confirmed. Pause, pause. Spencer, do you want to explain? Okay. Discuss this the to do, it, do you want to do it now or oh. do you want to do it at the at the nostalgic moment of the episode?
1: It's not going to fucking win nostalgic moment of the episode, but I I, I... I will keep it in, and we will discuss Dark Troopers more. No, let's do it now. It's not Go ahead. Win. Fire away. Uh, dark Troopers are a previously referenced because we got to see a brief <sighs> snippet of them, and it damn well looked like Dark Troopers. But the fact that they're even called Dark Troopers here is just great. This is, again, Fabra bringing in Legends lore in a way that is just wonderful to see. Yep. Dark Troopers come originally from the 1995 uh, video game Dark Forces. It's one of the earlier the Star mid-range of the Star Wars video games. It was meant to be a Doom clone. They decided, for no apparent reason, to just make it one of the more awesome Star Wars games they ever produced. Dark Troopers are a project that was developed in the aftermath of the the, uh, destruction of the Death Star by General Rom Mock. Great name. Uh, Strong name, Rom Mock. It's a great name. He was a, a veteran of the Clone Wars that decided from fighting non-stop droid technology that maybe we should explore this. Maybe we should make a kind of robotic stormtrooper, robotic trooper to actually wage these battles for us, which got no small amount of pushback. He was one of the few major of the Imperial officers that was in favor of this because most of them came out of the older public military. Most of them had spent all of their careers fighting droid technology and had no interest in terms of adapting it for their own purposes. It took the destruction of the Death Star for him to get the kind of funding and support from the Emperor personally to make this project happen. And he did, and the Dark Trooper Project was incredibly lethal, incredibly dangerous, to the point that the Rebel Alliance, through one of its agents, Kyle Katarn, discussed him previously, were set for the purpose of destroying this before it destroyed them. They succeed through no amount of difficulty, even kill General Ron Mock himself as he actually wears a, a version of Dark Trooper armor to fight our hero, and destroy the bulk of the Dark Trooper Project's resources in a way that We were thought at the time might banish the annals of history particularly since the emperor turned against droid technology heavily in response to the failure of this project ended several other potentially very powerful projects until we get more into the aftermath of the battle of endor and the legend lore that we get to see thereafter seeing dark troopers name dropped here seeing them in the i was going to say flesh but that is in no way accurate in terms of describing them um is incredible just because it opens up so many fun things to now explore in the modern canon lore like how did grand moff gideon grand moff gideon get this technology did he previously work on the project he's isb he might have actually been under general
0: maybe or <clears throat> he got access to it when he you know took over a what appears to be a huge leadership role of what's left of the empire
1: very possible, very potentially likely, but he's not only taken it over, he's not only rediscovered this now lost tech, he's made it reality. He, these are Dark Troopers Phase 3, at least Phase 2, maybe even Phase 3 that we're seeing at work here. Yep. And if we get Dark Troopers, does that mean we get the rest of the things that we got in Dark Forces 1, Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight, and everything else we got to see of Kyle Katarn's adventures? I don't know, but I'm so excited to find out.
0: So just want to point out, everything that Spencer said is not canon, it's not real, but... It could be. He, yeah, exactly. Why I wanted to give that space and why Spencer, you know, went into it as deep as he did is, we know that Favreau is pulling from that, so we just don't know how much he's going to pull in. At this point, all of it is is not part of the canon, but, but we don't know. I mean, some of that could definitely get pulled in because, God damn it, these are dark troopers, and God damn it, Spencer, I don't like them one fucking bit because what can these droids do? They've got jets built into their feet. And it looks like four of them. And they head straight to the Jedi Temple to a napping Grogu. They land near the scene Stone as Mando and Finnick scramble to run up the hill. Great music playing here. Sad, minor key. Really, you know, enveloping the emotions of the fandom here. When we see, that's right, one of the dark troopers walk towards Grogu. As Grogu wakes up, picks him up. And all four take off as Mando and Finnick watch. Mando has officially lost Grogu,
1: and they're utterly helpless here. He doesn't have his ship. He doesn't have his jetpack. There's nothing that he can do. The closest thing they have is, you know, Slave One now trying to catch up with these guys. But what can he even do at this point?
0: Yeah, and so that so that 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 actually plays out because Finnick comes, Boba Fett, um, who's on Slave One, and says they've got the baby. Don't let them get away. Boba says affirmative. Says he has a lock. Mando says stop. Of course he says stop. What the fuck are you doing, Boba Fett? What are you just gonna b- blow him out of the sky? Unbelievable. Says he does not want to hurt the child. Boba says copy. Says he'll do a loose follow to see where they're headed. I think that's ballsy. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that bolt came out of the sky and she completely incinerated the Razor's Crest. I don't know if I would be doing a loose follow, but he watches them fly into. What looks like an Imperial Star Destroyer. Spencer, I think we talked about before. Maybe it's modified a little bit, but Boba says they're back. The Empire, they're back. Finnick, that can't be. The Outer Rim is under the jurisdiction of the New Republic. Great fucking job they're doing, by the way. Yeah, thank you, New Republic. Yeah, what am I, what am I tax money going to? Jesus Christ, awful New Republic. I can see why. I can see why the, the First Order comes in and, and takes up a power vacuum. They're doing fucking nothing here.
1: Now, you listen here, you little shit. I was taking this for a second, but I'm going to stop you right there. How, do you really but, think any of these guys have actually paid taxes? I ask you. That's the only point yeah. I wanted to focus on there. Thank
0: you. Well, probably some transit taxes, right? Probably like, <laughs> in order to go S- into a Sales tax
1: at some point down the line. <clears throat> yeah,
0: I, I don't think they're doing any income tax. That's for darn sure. But man,
1: the, what the fuck,
0: New Republic? I'm like, what uh, are you doing?
1: A uh, bit of an inconsistency to note here. Uh, again, I checked the canon page. Tython is in the deep core. Is on the show Tython in the Outer Rim, given what
0: Finnick just said? Could be an inconsistency, yeah. You may, you a... may have caught him. You may have caught, you may have caught Favreau It was pants down there. Boba says, this isn't a spice dream. I can see the Imperial Cruiser with my own eyes. And then he smartly says, heading down. Because if that fucking <laughs> ship gets blown up, where the hell, the hell are they even going to get off the planet? Cut to Mando as his music plays, <clears throat> looking at the complete utter wreckage of his ship. He's doing it alone. I think Boba and Finnick are basically they, letting him give grieve his space. ship. Very, very tough scene. Mando's lost everything. His ship is gone. Grogu's gone. Presumably all of his money is gone. He picks up the ball that Grogu liked to play with. Um, I'm going to bet you dollars to donuts. I'll bet you every dollar I've got in every bank account I've got, that our little Grogu is going to get that ball back at some fucking point because he makes a point to pick it up and put in his Put it in his pocket. The Mando music is modified here. A lot yeah, of sorrow. It, it's much slower.
1: Yeah, Go it's ahead. Much, more som- much more somber. It's much more slow paced This is a moment of grieving, not only for the ship, but for the loss of everything that he's now come to value. I yep. mean, the ship. The ship is bad <clears> enough, but he would trade the ship for the kid in a heartbeat.
0: Hundred um, percent. Yeah. I mean, I think that's. I, I think he's like. I think. Honestly, I think part of the sorrow for the ship is he's thinking, well, this was the only possible way I was going to be able to get him back Let's through yeah. the ship.
1: Yeah. I mean, on the note you also said about giving getting a Baby Yoda the toy, totally going to happen, totally going to occur. That's never going to – if he ever gets a ship again, that thing is never going to go anywhere near the shaft of the ship. It's always going to be in Baby Yoda's hands. But as we've discussed before, can we just like create a GoFundMe page to get Baby Yoda some toys
0: like well, the, yeah. Well, at this point, I'm not quite sure the FedEx man's going to be able to deliver. Um, <laughs> Just, Baby Yoda's most Gideon's post.
1: Imperial Cruiser. Can you deliver it there?
0: Yeah, that's that's. I think that's like the dirt road treatment. I don't think FedEx goes down there. Uh, we're not going to be able to get Baby Yoda anything. But I guarantee that ball is going to be back to him at some point. And also picks up the spear. Definitely a spear, Spencer. Got a tip on it. Definitely, it's a spear. How would it- we we got. I don't we, know why they call it a spear. It's got a tip on it. We're
1: gonna have to edit this on every every production material they've ever released on every single wiki that's out there. They've got this wrong. It's a spear.
0: Yeah. God damn. Dave Filoni, John Favreau, give us give us some money here. Give give us a check and we, we, we will fix are here all this for you. We will fix all this stuff. Mando walks up and says, "This is all that survived." <laughs> Boba recognizes it as Beskar. I have no idea how. At this it's, point, it's at this point, Boba and Mando just, yeah, it's instinctual, right? I guess they have some sort of force power with with Beskar. I have no idea how he recognizes it, Beskar, but I guess he does. Boba tells Mando he wants him to look at something. It's his chain code. Spencer, can you explain chain code? I honestly
1: hadn't really heard of chain code before the show. Do you, did chain code exist before the show? I
0: don't know. I, I don't know either. I, I, it, I vaguely it, think it might have come up in Rebels or something. It,
1: it, um, it's, yeah. it's, clearly, it's referenced a lot in the show. It appears to be almost like a, some mix between your identity card, your social security number, in terms of how the universe now works, or uh, may always work given the fact that this chain code has yeah. been coded for 25 years, of where it sets your own, in, your own history, your own actions, your own deeds. It's your, your permanent record in Star Wars.
0: And I guess you can't make it up or lie, right? Because, like, Mando trusts it.
1: He particularly trust it too, because it appears to be in, um, you know, it's very distinctly a Mandalorian history. And I, I actually looked on this on the wiki and there apparently somebody read these characters and yeah, saw caught some details of mentioning, yeah. um, Concord Dawn, which was the planet that uh, Django Fett came from of yeah. even mentioning what appears to be, um, I was kind of surprised to see the idea that, uh, um, uh, Jastir Mareel was mentioned. I think Jasta is what the part you were able to read. Who was mm-hmm. um, Django Fett's master? It was uh, one of the protectors of uh, from, Concord, uh, from Concord Dawn. So it's a lot of lore that it would unpack that people hadn't been able to fully translate here in terms of what is the history of this armor.
0: Boba, my chain code has been encoded in this armor for twenty-five years. You see, this is me, Boba Fett. This is my father, Django Fett. Yeah. Mando, your father was a foundling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, Django Fett was a foundling. And yes, Boba Fett is a clone, but whatever. <laughs> That's not in the chain code. Boba, yes, he even fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. Mando, then that armor belongs to you. Boba, I appreciate its return.
1: Yeah, I was trying to explain um, Boba Fett's new history based on the prequels and based on now to uh, to Bridget, my girlfriend. And it was like, well, uh, I was trying to describe it. Is, so is he Django Fett's son? I was like, kind of. <laughs> I mean, he's his clone, and he's his essentially adoptive son. So he's kind of a mix between his biological son and a foundling at the same time. It's an interesting mix.
0: But because he's his clone, that's why we have the same actor who played Django Fett. The prequels playing Boba Fett now. Yes. Boba says, "I appreciate its return, Mando. Then our deal is complete." Not so fast, my friend. Boba says, "Not quite. We agree that in we agreed that in exchange for the return of my armor, we will ensure the safety of the child." Child is gone. Till he is returned to you safely, we are in your debt. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God, Spencer. We're not done with oh, these characters down to yet. one knee. We're down to one knee on this one. Whew. Thank you. Because Mando at this point is completely fucked. There's no fucking chance Mando is catching Moff Gideon. But we have a little light of hope because now he is amassing the Mandalorian Avengers. He's bringing together the superheroes. He's got Boba Fett. He's got Fennec.
1: It, it, right. it's a, anything it's else a, you want to talk about in that scene it's a hell of a start and like you said if Boba Fett had just said okay we're out and just peaced out Mando's just stuck
0: on Tython zero chance he ever sees Grogu again I, I, I mean I, he probably would have to sell his armor I mean honestly I don't know how uh, maybe he could take some jobs or something but I mean he would probably still keep the focus of trying to get Grogu so he'd have to do something uh, I don't know but he would I I, I, I peg it at a firm zero percent he ever gets Grogu again but now we've got Boba Fett and Finnick at his side.
1: And your plan was even assuming that Tython has a population. We don't know that in terms yeah, of the, 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 the version that we see on the show. We have no evidence necessarily to believe that. It appears, at least where he landed, pretty damn unoccupied and remote.
0: Cut the Slave One descending on no other planet but Navarro. Woo, another, another sigh of relief from me. Um, I, gotta, I just got to point this out. I mean, we are, we are in... highly emotional sequence here with Grogu uh, being gone and Mando trying to amass his Avengers. Uh, But small point, Slave 1 looks so fucking cool.
1: (laughs) It looks great. It looks great. I like how the ship... We're going to see this again. uh, We'll see this next episode. But I like how better maintained the ship is as compared to the armor. Like, Boba Fett hasn't had time to fix up the armor. It's sand-pitted. It's rough. The ship, on the other hand, is pristine and gorgeous.
0: Yeah, and like the cockpit will move... Mm-hmm. Based on how, you know uh, how uh, slave one is tilted, I, and they they, they they take pains to show you that really mm-hmm. neat. Cut to Mando with none other than Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. She's now apparently a marshal of the New Republic. Good for her, by she, the way. Good for she, her. Shout she accepted.
1: She accepted Appa's offer. You know there, there was there Absolutely. was a deal there was a deal on chips, and she couldn't turn it down.
0: Yeah, you get you get a chip and fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, woo. <laughs> And, and some severance, apparently. I don't know if you caught that in season two, but Mando, or uh, not Mando, <laughs> sorry. Appa does play pay severance. Um, we say, yeah, good for her, though, by the way. Like, we can just take a pause here with the with the Appa jokes and just say, remember, she had that that reluctance to join back up with the New Republic. Mm-hmm. And we both thought that, like, considering her history as, you know, a survivor from Alderaan and, and fighting um, for the Old Republic, we thought she should have joined up. And it looks like she did. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Amanda says he needs your help, and she says, name it. Damn, they're close, Spencer. I don't even know if I went to you and said, Spencer, I need your help. You'd say, name it. I think you'd be like, mm, uh, I don't know. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and we're close. Like, I don't know. Name it is, Woo. They might be shipping, Spencer. Did I use the phrase right?
1: You used the thing right. They're, they're, whatever whatever they are, they have a very close relationship. And it's clear that she's meaning it very heartfelt when she says, you know, it, up, into, up to a kidney and maybe beyond, let's talk.
0: Uh, Mando says he needs her to locate a prisoner of the new Republic. She starts to look it up and Mando explains it's Mayfield. For those who don't remember, this is Bill Burr's character. So happy to see him come back by the Mm. way. Uh, very happy to see that Bill Burr is going to be back in the show. Uh, he's an ex-imperial sharpshooter. Apparently, he's serving fifty years for what happened um, on that on that prisoner ship that uh, Mando and and Bill Burr and some others went aboard. I, I guess the killing of the the Republic Guard there. But wow. 50 years seemed like a lot.
1: You know, he, he was uh, involved in felony murder. He was involved in you know, <coughs> hijacking a ship. It's a heavy list of crimes he's facing. You know, he, I don't know whether the New Republic practices the death penalty. I think they do, based on what we saw what they did with the war criminals. But it's going to be a long time before he's a free man again. <laughs>
0: I had the thought that he needed a Spencer before that sentencing was held down. My yeah. man needs a lawyer. I, I don't think he had a lawyer. If he served 50 years, but he had a public defender.
1: I was out of town, you know, they called, but it's hard to get <laughs> over to the star Wars galaxy on short notice.
0: We all know he couldn't afford your hourly hourly rate. <laughs> uh, Mando says he needs help springing Mayfield so that he can help locate Moff Gideon's light cruiser. I have to say, this is pretty clever of Mando. Cause it I mean, really like the only person he knows who was ever deep into the into the empire is mayfield and he was able to draw on that pretty quickly i thought it was a clever clever move on mando's part
1: i mean it's a certain degree of grasping at straws because he has no idea of mayfield he doesn't know m- enough about mayfield's background or enough about what knowledge he potentially have but like you said who else is he going to return going to turn to here this is the only imperial agent he knows only person that might have this kind of information it's not much of a lead but it's all we got and so he's gonna he's gonna use it
0: I think he was able to reasonably guess that Mayfield was deep in the Empire based on the fact that Mayfield screamed at him, I'm not, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. And then also didn't even, was a little bit embarrassed, didn't want to go into what he actually was. So I think that was a pretty good indication that he was deeper in the Empire than maybe Mayfield felt comfortable explaining. Mando says he needs, uh, or Kara says she doesn't like the Empire, but these stripes mean there are rules I need to follow. Mando, they have the kid no further discussion that's it that Nothing. is it ding the bell the fight is on Kara is in the octagon she's ready to go her face lowers sternly and she's clearly affected by that and i think that's something we're going to see right like every person he goes to and says they have the kid i feel like it's just like get on the bus we're fucking going I,
1: I, that is 100 true we get to see another scene of that next episode the way i didn't expect it's impressive the influence the kid has on people is that you mentioned that he's under threat. People are just coming out of the woodwork to help you get him back.
0: And I, I just honestly believe that, like, I think that's how that would really go. I don't think this is the show stretching here because he's cute. He is, you know, vulnerable and he fucking is clutch in helping people. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I mean, he has saved car's life before. Um, so oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and
1: he, he's literally magical too. It's just like, it's, even if he didn't care about the kid, even if he was just ugly as shit, he is a unique thing in the galaxy that you cannot understand or explain. And there's just an instinctual natural desire to try, try, try and protect that.
0: And never mind that they and that they have the kid is like the personification of evil in yes. the galaxy. Moff Gideon, who is a real fuck. So, yeah, car is on board. Let's do this. Cut to Moff Gideon, who is on the deck of his <laughs> cruiser.
1: Do, do, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You just referred to him as a real fuck. You know, I think he's aiming to prove you're right here when it comes to this thing.
0: God, he sucks. Fucking God. Moff Gideon is a dick. Uh, He's got it coming to him, I think. He's making you go
1: blue. That's how
0: bad this man is. Damn right. I don't like this guy. Uh, because of this scene, we cut to the deck of the Imperial cruiser, which is clearly in hyperspace. <laughs> Mav Gideon's no idiot; he grabbed the asset and took He's off. Gone. My man is in hyperspace. He walks down the hallway as daunting music plays. I did not want to see this scene. I did not want to see it. Um, I kind of knew what was coming, um, but the music is playing, reminiscent of the New Republic, I think. Uh, that, 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 that that daunting music. Um, Moff Gideon walks in the room and Grogu is tossing around stormtroopers, flinging them left and right. It's such a funny scene, even though I'm very, very concerned for for Grogu um, because he, he's a teeny little thing far away in the room and you see these stormtroopers just walk left, right. They get up and he starts choking them. One of Moff Gideon's stormtroopers starts to attempt to get Grogu to stop him and Moff Gideon calls them off. Grogu then flings both of them together. I heard a snap. I think he killed them.
1: It's ver- very possible. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty brutal scene to see Grogu just with angry eyes just ripping these guys apart. This is almost like Framing Moth Gideon as the you know evil corrupting uncle that is giving the kid the toys the parents said he couldn't have because Grogu's finally got toys now and we did not want him to have these.
0: Yeah, I mean I I appreciate the metaphor, but for me it was a little bit more like you know, this is Grogu really backed in a corner. Yes. And this is the this is the the dog that like the family dog that everybody's petting, who actually does have teeth. Like, yep. and you you never seen a bite before, but he's got teeth. And I, I actually hate to see it because that's Me not too. how we ever want to see Grogu use his powers. But he feels absolutely threatened to his core, and he's just flinging around stormtroopers. But doing so does make him tired. Um, he, he kind of goes to the side he goes down with one arm after he I think kills these two stormtroopers Moff Gideon you've gotten very good at that but it makes you oh so sleepy have you ever seen one of these <sighs> lights up the darksaber from years past and as he lights up the dark saber, Spencer you t- I, I'm throwing this to you did it look like Grogu reacted to that
1: it looked like he reacted to it yeah and I think I think Gideon even calls Matt and says ah uh-huh, you know what this is or something like
0: yeah, that yeah 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 like, he says, You're not ready to play with such things. You're liable to put an eye out with one of these. Looks like you could use a nice long sleep and one of the stormtroopers fires. Something which knocks Grogu out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're casually watching, he did not kill Grogu. No. no <laughs> it just knocked him out only. If you were just you were you were looking at a magazine, you were playing with something and you just looked up and you saw this, he didn't kill Grogu.
1: Now I actually love this, just from a, a nostalgia reference point of where this is the exact same stun effect, set for stun, that we got to see back in New Hope of when the stormtroopers stunned Leia aboard the Tantive IV. It is the exact oh, same good sound effect. It is Tantive. the exact same visual effect. It, we haven't seen it in years, but that is what it is.
0: I'm going to go ahead and award you two points for that reference. Uh, that was sh- that was strong. Uh, uh, um, I one of this uh, Moff Gideon tells the storm Yeah, you've never got two points before. That's big. I don't think anybody's gotten two points in the Magnum Talks TV podcast. Moff Gideon tells the Stormtrooper to re- restrain Grogu. I don't even know what this This is kind of confusing to me because he's basically putting Grogu in cuffs. I don't think Grogu needs to really needs to fling his arm around to use the force. I think he's doing that, but I think he can he can do it from from you know he, he his wrist it his vent, mind. right.
1: Ma- Ma- yeah, I th-
0: yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense to me that he was he was restraining It is what I'm trying to say. M-
1: my guess, I have two guesses. One, just from a visual effect. The fact that they've got tiny little cuffs to put on Yoda just makes the fan base die inside and want to murder yeah, people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's that. Point number two, there are force-suppressing things in the Star Wars lore. And it's possible, because these cuffs look like they're made of some very unique material, that they're going to work in that these in some way suppress or stop or reduce his abilities.
0: Yep. Moff Gideon turns to one of his officers. When we come out of hyperspace, send an encrypted message to Dr. Pershing. Let him know we have our donor. Dr. Pershing, by the way, is the doctor we saw with Grogu in season one. He was the person who, when Mando came in, guns a to get Grogu Baby Yoda at the time get Grogu out of there. He actually let Doctor Pershing live because when Mando burst in the room, Pershing yelled out, "Don't hurt the kid!" Basically, like, "Don't hurt him," because he didn't know what Mando was going to do. So, you know, I, I've used the used the uh, the 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 comparison. This is like a somebody. This is like a doctor in a a bad group of people and a bad administration, a bad empire mm-hmm. that we can trust a little bit from what we know. He was also the person who sent the message to Moff Gideon that Mando, Apollo, Creed, and Car intercepted on Navarro. So we know he's still working on the project.
1: Yeah. I, I love the characterization that um, uh, uh, Esposito, I'm blanking on this, Gian- Esposito,
0: Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Thank you
1: is adding to this character where he is just chewing the scenery he is a friggin' bond villain bond villain in the scene and is having fun yeah. doing it and yeah, i love it i love it even reflects in, into his evil master plans of where he's got these grandiose evil master plans that we don't even fully understand yet and it's even like he's not just content with one Men's resurrected the freaking dark trooper project and that's not enough for him now he's just going down the Let's go through all the evil things the empire, di- the imperial remnants did in the lore after the republic got established, and I'm doing all of them.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. He's the he's the he's the perfect villain villain in this moment. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the end of the episode. They have Grogu. Yes, they do. Ugh. Oh! Heartbreaking, Spence. This is tough for me because you know I've talked about this in the podcast before. I think we are somewhat different in that I watch this show because it's Star Wars, because we do the pod, et cetera, et cetera. But I have a singular focus, a singular thing driving me motivation in the show, and that is that Grogu be okay.
1: Yeah. And I got to ask you, sir not just simply issue of his physical well being but his emotional well-being his psychological well-being and the dark path that your beloved jedi warned us that he might be at risk of going down are you worried sir are you afraid? I'm very
0: very worried I'm very worried in that what we saw from grogu, grogu was the use of the force that I don't think any of the masters that were training him in coruscant in the jedi temple ever wanted him to use so he he was using a part of the force. He was using it in a way that is he shouldn't be using. He's definitely tar- tapping into dark powers. Now, I know we normally have our segments. We have Best Line of the Episode. We have Nostalgic Women of the Episode. We're going to get to those, Spencer. But I do want to throw in a new segment. Are you ready for it?
1: No. Clearly, I am not because you never warned okay. me of this shit. What you got?
0: <laughs> okay. It's called Name That Jedi. <laughs> because what we're going to do is we're going to try to figure out. There is no way that Grogu spent that much time in the force on the scene stone that he didn't talk to somebody who is going to be in the show. They would never have him spend that much time if it doesn't result in something. Mm -hmm. So I think he talked to somebody and somebody's coming. I don't know when that person is coming. I don't know if they're going to be a part of Mando's Avenger crew. That's going to go uh, try to get Grogu right now. It's a band of what four? you know, maybe we get Mayfield later. We don't know. But I think somebody's coming, so we're going to play around to name that Jedi. Um, I'm willing to start, because I uh, did just throw it at you.
1: And I suspect, I have a strong suspicion who you're going to name. I mean, just to start, I, I 100%, 100% agree that it would be a complete blue ball if we don't actually get a Jedi having answered this call. It wouldn't make sense. It's too long no. of a message. It's too elaborate of an effect. He got in touch with somebody. Some Jedi got the call and is now coming. Now, accepting that premise... Who do you think it was?
0: I have who I think it is. And I have an honorable mention. Go on. I I think it's Luke Skywalker.
1: And I understand that. I disagree.
0: I think honorable mention it's Mace Windu.
1: And I also understand that and think that's somewhat more possible.
0: I think it's Luke. I don't think we're going to get Mark Hamill. I think we're going to get a cloaked figure who probably has Mark Hamill's voice and I think we're going to see him just for a little while and he's probably going to help do something. But it only makes sense because he's already talked. He's already seen Ahsoka. It doesn't make any sense that he'd be talking no, to Ahsoka no, no, no. again. We throw her out. Who else is left? But, we don't. There's like no one fucking left. Like it's got there's Luke and there's Leia. It, it, and that's about it.
1: It really depends how... This is something I just don't know for what they've done with canon lore, just how far along Luke's Jedi Temple is in the modern canon lore. At this place in the Legends lore, it was actually pretty well established. He was training a collection of people. He even had sub-Jedi knights that were training people at this point. So there could be a number of representatives of the Jedi Temple that could be... of his new Jedi Temple in Yavin 4 that could be arriving to assist. It's one of the things of where... I agree from a thematic standpoint. I agree from a recognition standpoint for the people that are watching the show that wouldn't recognize a lot of other people that otherwise could arrive right now, that they could draw from the Legends lore for this moment. I just dispute the practicality of it. Like you said, Mark Hamill is an old man now. He still did great. He's one of the, as, much as, I, as much as both he and I didn't like his characterization in The Last Jedi, he did great with the role and clearly is able to step into the luke skywalker role again on demand and happy to do it
0: he came around a little bit on the last jedi by the way but yeah he came around a little bit when he saw the rise of skywalker just like the rest of us
1: he came he came around a bit i still most recent reports i've seen is that he did not agree with the director on aspects of his characterization and i don't blame him it's something that you and i have fought over quite a bit before and so i think it's one of the big divides between critics and the fan base with respect to that aspect of plot in in, in that movie but we don't need to go into that now um for them to make that work, like you said, they kinda would have to do a Peter Cushing Grand Moff Tarkin from Rogue One, or even Carrie Fisher from Rogue One, of where yeah, they would mm-hmm. have to have some age kind
0: him, of Age him down, yeah.
1: Age yeah. and do a kind of stand-in. That doesn't seem to be what this show wants to do with its characters. We've talked about before that it likes to do as much as there are some very impressive special effects with respect to the characters, it seems to really like to do physical actors in costume. It seems to really like to do animatronics, puppetry, as compared to CGI characters, which have been one of the most contentious things in the Star Wars movies, about how much those CGI characters have risen to predominance. So that's, I agree, it would make the most sense to have Luke, just from the sake of audience recognition, of understanding what it means, of tying it to Luke's temple, of all those kinds of things. I just don't know whether the show would be is willing to do what would be necessary to make that work. Um... But I agree, it, for, except for that problem, it makes the most sense.
0: Now, for those who are a little confused by me throwing out Mace Windu, I throw out Mace Windu because the last time we saw Mace Windu, Anakin Skywalker cut his hands off and he was flung out the side of a very, very tall building on Coruscant uh, <laughs> after a fight with the Emperor. Um, that doesn't mean he's dead.
1: That is a Disney villain death. I mean, freaking, yeah. I mean... We're in, a, we're in a world of where um, we have seen Dark Jedi literally sliced in half at the waist and they still Darth
0: come Maul. back. Shout out Darth Maul. Uh, yeah, so I think Mace Windu could very much be alive. Um, I also very much believe Sam Jackson's available. <laughs> I think he would do it. Um, so yeah, we could potentially get Sam Jackson in, I don't know, season three.
1: And practically speaking from an age standpoint, Sam Jackson could work. They could yes. just cast Sam Jackson without without working there. I yeah. don't think it would be as powerful as Luke. It would require a mass amount of explanation that I'm sure Disney is perfectly happy to put, give us 35 comic books to explain how how we got yeah, to this moment.
0: Sure, I'll so
1: <laughs> It could work. I don't. I, I don't think it was as powerful as powerful an effect as Luke, but I think it would work better within what the show has been willing to do so far. and um, I also don't think the show ever wants to introduce necessarily somebody like Luke or Leia or Chewie or Han. I think as much as it's been content to get into secondary main characters, um, or actually really to tertiary main characters, which is still surprising to us that we got bo and Ahsoka yeah, Tana.
0: Yeah, very surprising, yeah.
1: I don't know if it's ever going to get into the main movie's characters. I don't just don't think that's necessarily what it wants to do. But I think both reasonable bets.
0: Yeah, but, um, you know, to our loyal audience, uh, we do not steer you wrong. We are here for you. And we promise you, some way, somehow, some shape or form, you will get someone who communicated with Grogu. There's no yeah. way they went through all that shit without somebody showing up for Grogu. I'm not sure it'll be the the season. I would actually venture a bet it wouldn't be this season. But I think you're eventually going to get someone that Grogu talked to on that scene stuff.
1: And those people take wait. it to the bank. And those people will be Kyle Katarn and Mara Jade. No further discussion. Thank you very much.
0: Oh man, boy, that would make. Spencer happy and everybody else confused.
1: Exactly, I fully <laughs> acknowledge that the Le- the Legends fan base that I represent, my little you know nook of the old Legends fan base, would just be giddy, would just be ecstatic, would just be going off the rails. And everybody else would go, "Are they Jedi?" <laughs> that would be the discussion on all the forums and all the fan base. The critics would go, "Yeah, I think some Jedi showed up at the end." While well, all the comments, "Kyle Gadarn! Mara Jade, Jane, Jane Orr's in the background. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. That would get it. Is that Kyle Katar's music from Spencer? So we we'll get that, that
1: get from that for me. And you just have a quizzical look on your face. Cause you've, you've read him in a couple comic books, but he has nowhere near the connection.
0: The and guy is. Th- yeah. But anyway, I, you, you got it on. I think it's going to be Luke. I will uh, mention uh, to uh, makes Uh Spencer doesn't think it's going to be anybody.
1: That's your interpretation of what I said. Well, sure. you didn't really
0: give us a name. I mean, uh, I think you said you said it doesn't make sense practically for Luke, but Luke makes the most sense. I don't know. Your explanation confused me.
1: I, I, personally, I would. I think given the reference to dark dark forces, and I think given the the clear the clear video game background that a lot of the writers have with respect to what they're writing in the Star Wars lore, that Kyle Katarn and Mary Jade make sense and could work and could open up characters that they can then could do their own damn thing with in a way they couldn't. Necessarily for Luke or Mace would do just because they're so big of characters. So that's who I think that they would do just because they're confident enough to introduce characters like that from the Legends lore that they then can go in their own direction with without needing to friggin have Luke there at all times in a way that would be hamstringing. I think, but purely from a show standpoint, purely from a reaction standpoint, purely from a great moment standpoint. My honorable mention would be Luke, just because I think it would be a, a hell of a powerful moment and scene. The fan base would write about four years, even though I feel and worry that it would not be something that they would be comfortable with and might write them into a corner.
0: And in current canon, Spencer, in current canon Luke trains Leia first before he starts a Jedi Academy. So Leia is force sensitive, maybe, I don't know, at this point the, the titles don't really matter, but she's probably the Jedi at this point. Um, Zero percent chance it's Leia because Carrie Fisher died. Just throwing that out there. And all I, right. We're going to move on. Oh mm-hmm. no, Sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, I just, I'm very much agreeing with you. I think that they have, they would view it as disrespectful at this point. To continue yeah. To they're,
0: they're not going to do that because, because uh, RIP Carrie Fisher, rip Carrie Fisher. Shout out to her. Um, all right. So we're going to go to best line of the episode. Really don't have a lot of nominees here. Spencer, do you have any that you've written on? Uh
1: i got a few I'm going to give to you. They're mostly exchanges. There were some good exchanges um, of where, I, 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 don't, I don't want to go through all of them again because we already kind of did. But we, like when, Mando, when the, Mando is talking with Grogu in the in the cockpit of the Razor's Crest, RIP Razor's Crest. Um,
0: mm, man, that was a tough one. Uh,
1: but the, the conversation that they have of when you know he's doing Grogu, mm-hmm. Grogu, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then continuing on through you know, him saying you know him training him in the Force and that little conversation they have about no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. You did good. It's just when the nice lady said you had training, I just you're very special, kid. And then continuing on through, you know, when we find a Jedi, you're gonna have to go off them. You understand that, right? It's a really heartfelt scene. It's a wonderful moment of again, it just shows how good of an actor petro Pascal was. Like when you referenced earlier, people were kinda like saying, Why cast him? He's not gonna have to do anything, he's just gonna be in the armor. Bullshit. Bullshit. It is a harder job to act when you can't show people your face, when you don't yeah. have that kind of interaction with the audience. So he great. Mm-hmm. kills it in moments like this because he has to use his voice he has to mm-hmm. use his mannerisms and his posture because he can't see his face and have that kind of immediate reaction to him being sad and what he's feeling so that's a very powerful and yeah. very very good series of quotes uh i love the interact the quote from baba Fett about uh if you would could you could you just read out the i'm a simple man in your voice again please
0: <laughs> yeah sure um let me do you have another one I'm, i'll find it as you go
1: i mean my next my next several are Boba Fett quotes. So I, I mean, I can, I'm not going to do it in the voice, but I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Like my father before me, did you take the creed? I give my allegiance to no one. Great line. Both again, I didn't even catch the, like my father before me line is being a tieback. It's a great that that's in there too. The reference yep. to Django, the reference to the, the, the father tradition in star Wars lore, the reference to a quintessential Boba Fett line about him being loyal to himself.
0: You want me to do the next one? The next Boba Fett line?
1: Uh, next one would be the armor given to me by my father, Jango. Do you have that one? Uh,
0: oh, no. I, sorry. All right, go ahead. You do that one. I thought you were, were going to go all the way to the one uh, with Fennec. Uh,
1: the, the line that he gives about uh, the armor was given to me by my father, Jango, by your forebears. In exchange, I guarantee the safety of the child as well as your own. Uh, and then the exchange, bounty your little friend's life has risen significantly. But really that first part. Great line. Again, harking back to Jango Fett. I didn't expect it to affect me as much as it did, and as much as, as much as we see him as a mercenary, as a cold-blooded, self-interested mercenary, this tradition matters to him. He's not immune to the pull of the Mandalorian creed and the power of this family, father-to-son tradition that's been passed on to him in this present moment. So that's good. Uh, now, if you would, the Finik, the Finnick line of when they're exchanging, uh, you look like you've seen a ghost.
0: You, Mando, you were dead, Boba. She was left for dead in the sands of Tatooine, as was I. But fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched.
1: That's just a really good turn of phrase. It's, it's like, really strong, we, isn't it? It's like it's, it's like we mentioned mentioned for uh, Ahsoka Tano's line uh, line last episode about I like firsts. They're always memorable. It's just like that's a line I'm going to find a way to use in the future because it's really well said. Mm-hmm. Uh, have the Dark Troopers been engaged? It's not going to be my best quote, but it meant a lot to me. And. Actually, I got a couple more. Um,
0: oh, I liked, yeah, you got get more than unexpected. I
1: expected. I liked Boba Fett's line about when he first reacts to the Empire. When he, when he sees the ship, it says the Empire, they're back. And then mm-hmm. it's with, this isn't a spice stream. I could see the Imperial cruiser with my own eyes. He's yep. not a man to be shocked easily, but even he's caught off guard that this wasn't just, you know, a few TIE fighters in orbit with a little tiny carrier. That is a friggin' dreadnought kind of ship that is now floating above there in a way that they shouldn't have right now. And
0: he also, did, I would like to point out, does not have the background on Grogu. So he he's not aware no. that the Empire is chasing Grogu. So it's, it's doubly more shocking to him. I mean, I'm sure Mando will fill him in later. But like at this point, he, he has no fucking concept as to why the, the Empire showed up here.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the line about the line about him discussing the chain code in his armor, about you know, even just seeing the images in that chain code is a powerful line. So I like that. Uh, and following up with his guarantee about the safety of the child as you noted there would not be a story unless we'd had that moment of honor from his character and see that evolution in his character and which growth and maturity that we wouldn't have necessarily expected from when we last saw him and just because it pisses off the fan base to no goddamn end um gideon's final line about put it in shackles when we come out of hyperspace send an encrypted message to dr pershing let him know we have our donor. we we have got our donor just in terms mm-hmm. of things that makes the fan base gnash their teeth, that's got to be up there too. But that is literally everything I could think of. I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel when it came to this episode. It was mostly just a lot of action scenes since they're not as quotable, but there were still some good ones to mention.
0: I, would, I am going to award best line of the episode this episode the way I did the last one, which is... There is a phrase in it that I personally, Lee, like the most. It is, sometimes fate steps in to rescue the wretched. That's mm-hmm. my personal favorite line. But I have an obligation to the show, to Mango Talks TV, to our listeners, to pick the line that has the most significance within the show. Right? Agreed. It's one that's a good line, but it's one that has the most significance within the show. So um, I'm going to pick it. Mando, then our deal is complete. Boba, not quite. We agreed that in exchange for the return of my alma, we will ensure the safety of the child. The child is gone. Till he is returned to you safely, we are in your debt. Yeah. Yeah. I pick it. Is it is it the best written line? No, it's actually a pretty good written line. It's solid. But it's not, it's not a, it's not up there with, you know, fate sometimes steps in to rec- rescue the wretched. It is, however, a seminal point. And I would say the series, because without this line, Mando is dead in the water. Grogu's gone. We don't have a show. But Boba is the lifeline right here to Mando, and he is explaining that not just, "Hey, buddy, you know, I kind of like that little green guy. I'm gonna come help you out." He's saying, "I'm a Mandalorian, and I am in your debt." Mm-hmm. So this is this is this is good as gold. You can you can take this to the bank that Boba is with Mando until Grogu is back. So. Just the, the importance in the narrative and, and, and in trying to get Grogu back I had to pick that line.
1: Absolutely agree. And it, it's also interesting, too, just where it sets up something we haven't gotten to see as much on the show, of where people working with Mando over the course of several episodes in a row, with the exception of Caradon and Apollo Creed from the first season, where I think it was just episodes sep- seven and eight, where it was like two episodes in a row where they're working together. And those were like immediate within minutes of each other. Otherwise, we basically just have Mando and Frog Lady, and that's not quite the relationship that we have with uh, that's forming now between Mando, Finnick Shand, and uh, Boba Fett. He's always been kind of a loner. He hasn't teamed up with other people over the course of a long period of time. But now, like you said, the Avengers have assembled. We've got a team that's now putting together for the sake of assisting Mando and reuniting him with the child, a way we've not really had before. But it's exciting. It's really interesting about where, what they're going to do with that and how long it's going to be as we wrap up the season or if we even do successfully wrap up things this season.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm turning over the podcast to you to my nostalgic moment of the episode. I'm so excited to see the, the the celebratory dance that you're going to do here. But before you get to that level of joy, I want to tell everybody that uh, until we get Grogu back, uh, I'm not happy. And I'm not sleeping well, okay, ladies and gentlemen, because I am a huge fucking Grogu, Grogu fan. I've got Grogu T-shirts, hats, stickers, uh, everything. Uh, he's my dude. I ride with Grogu, and the fact that he's gone, uh, really, really, um, really powerful episode for me. Okay, Spencer, nostalgic moment of the episode. I want to see. I want to see the celebration.
1: I, I want you. To, before I do, I want you to put money down. Do you, what is your bet whether Mando and Grogu get reunited this season?
0: I am going to, you don't know, you don't understand betting, right? Yeah. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to put it, excuse me. I'm going to put it at plus 105 that we get Grogu back. So what that would mean is um, you bet a dollar to win a dollar and five cent. So it's almost even money, but just slightly, slightly to no.
1: I'm with you there. I, the only way he gets Grogu back is if a hell of a lot of things happen that may remove their arc villain of the, over the course of the series so far.
0: He's going to have to kill Moff Gideon. Yeah, let's just put it that way. And, he's got the he's got the Beskar staff. I think they're setting up for the battle. I, tell me, tell me if I'm I'm off base here. I don't think he gets Grogu back without the death of Moff Gideon.
1: No, I don't think he does. And I think that this. I don't know how many seasons they plan on doing this. I don't know. But they could if they don't get him back. If it in some way goes wrong or it's not successful it could set up a great empire strikes back moment to wrap up this season to then go into a finale season of this arc come next year
0: could I, be um yeah go ahead i,
1: I think it would almost be a better decision if they don't it would the fan base
0: would be oh, not come i on. It just oh,
1: don't hold, do this to me Spencer. i i know i just like the amount of handholding you're going to need to survive what could be a year and a half two years before you get to see the next season, and get to see the, hopefully Mando and maybe at a, re, a reunite, possibly at the end of that season. God help us. I don't know how you're going to cope, but I think it would be a better writing decision. But I'll be very curious to see what they do.
0: It's, I'll tell you what it is. It's shank for the watch, shank for the watch, shank yes. for the watch. Jon Snow dead. Season ends, books end. I have no idea what's happening. I got to wait a year and a half. It would be twice that. If I at know. the end of this season, I, I don't get Grogu. So it's going to be tough for me. Very, very tough for me.
1: I'm hoping for it so much, but we'll but see.
0: I do have a little bit. I should have thought of this earlier. I do have a little bit of news. On You said I don't know how many seasons they're doing this. They are doing a season three. Good. And they have a premiere date. Um, Spencer, this is so great. Season three of Mandalorian will premiere on Christmas Day 2021. Really? Yeah. That's <laughs> what, That's the, the day they're Lord's doing it. The
1: Lord's gift unto us.
0: I know. I just I just imagine like you know so many like, you know fathers who watched Star Wars when they were a kid. Maybe watched the old the old movies, right? And mm-hmm. the, the kids are are Finn Ray fans, and they're into Mandalorian. Like getting up early to to unwrap the presents and watching the premiere. I don't know. I just think it's gonna be cool. I mean, it,
1: it makes me nostalgic just by itself. That made me nostalgic from the episode. The fact you just told me that is that there've been so many years. So for so many Christmases before I'd open a Christmas gift and it would be something star Wars related, the latest yeah. book, the latest guide, the latest toy, the latest Lego set, whatever else. And I would spend Christmas day combing through that building that typically with my dad, typically with my mom and how much that was part of my childhood. So yeah, the fact that we're Christmas day, it's a really nice touch. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, and I did the same exact thing with my brother. Like I would unwrap things and like my brother always knew a lot more about Star Wars than I Days, He's 10 years older than me. And i would be like, oh, Wayne, you know, like, like, and we would get into it like such warm, great memories of that. I just love that they are playing into that. And there's going to be a whole generation of kids who remember waking up on Christmas Day, 2021, to get episode three, our season, season three, episode one. And presumably, uh, let's just go ahead and write it in. Uh, Grogu is completely safe at the start of it. So we don't have to worry about that.
1: Nope. <laughs> Not going to happen. Gro- <laughs> you are going to see Darth Grogu before the two of them are ever reunited. Oh, we, yeah. we are going to have to see Mando try to bring Grogu back to the light. It's going to be a multi-season arc. He's going to grow up. They're going to be, a, maybe not, may not even remember him. This is what you're going to have to endure, sir.
0: You shut your mouth. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me, Spencer. <laughs> I'm cursing uh, you right, Go about. ahead. Do your, do your dance. Do your celebration.
1: Uh, I don't know what you're really talking about to celebrate. I mean, there were, there were a few. Boba Fett? Uh, I in mean, yeah, I mean we we get Tython, we get you know we get to see Gaffy sticks in action which you was kind of a nice bitch. we you get son of a bitch we get to see you know some force powers kind of stuff like there was force choke and some force throws I mean, that, 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 that was that was that was kind of cool i mean the set for stun thing you mean you mentioned that that might be a nostalgic moment to the episode I just because I mean, that, we got to see that from the new hope for the first time it was a nice little callback Mandalorian chain code and seeing the history that was set out there, even though it wasn't as familiar to me, to see it steeped in all these little bits of history, you couldn't have a reference being back to something that hasn't clearly been made canon yet in terms of, of the protector master of Django Fett. That was great. The Dark Troopers, the Dark Troopers from the Can't games, from the lore, bringing that How back in, and everything else on. that opens it up, and you know that, that was great. Oh, Jango Fett, Jango Fett from the prequels. I wasn't expecting to care so as much on about so that. Long. Really. Can't believe it. I, mean,
0: I can't believe you're doing this.
1: I was legitimately surprised how much he's seen Django Fett brought back and that history and that importance to... What character is important? Oh, yeah! Motherfucking Boba Fett is back in <laughs> there the There he is! Boba Fett! There he is! Boba Fett! Boba Fett is returned! In Whoa. armor!
0: With Slave 1! And all of the rest! Wrecking Ass! Kicking ass, taking names, my friend. Uh, Boba Fett is here, and it's the Boba Fett we always wanted to see on screen. It was incredible. I mean, I, I
1: talked to you. I had some quibbles about some of the fights in this episode. I was annoyed about just how far they've taken Beskar armor. I was annoyed about just how invulnerable heroes and how much they were just culling through stormtroopers and the, the humor they put into some of the stormtrooper deaths. Like, go out there, you idiot. And the guy immediately gets killed. And stuff like, that annoyed me a little bit. But seeing Boba Fett reappear seeing the gravitas and the just history, this like just radiating aura of this character, the actor brings to him that we all feel when we see Boba Fett on the screen, seeing him re, you know, wreck shop with these stormtroopers in brutal fashion with gaffy sticks and little sharp blades piercing through Plastio, seeing him reemerge in armor, throwing out all the little tricks that he has in the stuff. Calling through stormtroopers, knocking ships out of orbit, seeing him in Slave One, going up in the atmosphere in pursuit of the enemy, knowing that we're going to get him over the course of now several episodes as part of Mando's Avenger crew. This nine-year-old in me is giddy in a way I didn't know that he still could be. It is just great. He's one of the most extensively developed additions to the Legends Lords because of how popular he was. From If you go back and watch like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, he's not in many scenes. He's got like 20 Whoa. seconds of dialogue, but the power that that character had just from his image, from his silhouette, if it were, yeah. is, it was amazing. Yeah. And it was just, Lucas and Lucasfilm and LucasArts and everybody else knew they were on a gold mine from the start and they ran with it and the fan base loved it. And the fact that that's being developed back into the legends, back, back into the canon lore. A canon lore, like you noted, that is purposely trying to transition on to something new to a certain degree. is purposely try, Particularly with the new films, was trying to develop a new trio for a new generation to focus on in a way that they need to. They need to be able to eventually get beyond the original films as people just age up and grow. But the fact that they're still giving me the old fan things like this is just great, and I appreciate it. And good lord, of course, that's going to get nostalgic moment of the episode.
0: Absolutely nostalgic moment of the episode: the return of Boba Fett. Not just the return of Boba Fett, but the but swagger, in walk in, walk into your gin joint, and fucking take your money, Boba Fett, bad ass that we saw on screen. I loved it, Spencer, and great. Um, great job just trolling me for a good 2 minutes. Too. That was, that was <laughs> solid work. Good radio. Son of a bitch. I was so fine. <laughs> Don't just get to it. Get to it. i Have been waiting for it. Uh okay, that is it. We wrap up our coverage of chapter 14, <sighs> the tragedy. Anything else you want to add, Spencer? I think it was a
1: solid episode. It's more action packed that we necessarily t- like to talk about over much. That's some quibbles in it, but in terms of setting the direction in terms of pointedly purposefully, Enlivening the passions and angers of the fan base to go into now what's going to be the final two, three episodes of the season? Where are we at? I'm mm-hmm. Trying to uh, remember.
0: The two more. Two more. Two more.
1: That setting up the last two episodes of the season and what's going to be the purpose of it, and setting both motivation of the characters and the fan base to desperately try to get Grogu back. futilely I'd like to add, you're all doomed. It's never going to happen. We're not going to see him again for the course of maybe three. Shut years. your
0: mouth when you're talking to me.
1: But it was very effective. It was very well done. It worked the nostalgia and worked the current plot in a lot of fun directions. So I, I quite liked it, and it just again I say this every every episode it sets me really excited for where things are going next.
0: Okay. That wraps up our coverage of Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Thanks everybody for listening. Make sure to check out MangumTalks.com for our other pods. Mangum Reads, my favorite, pottering around. We got Mangum Labs, got Mangum Talks Hoops. We have the now defunct Whiskey on the Weekends, but you can check out the archives of that. A lot of stuff to listen to on the Mangum Talks Podcast channel. We will be back in just a few days for Chapter 15. Why, Spencer? Because we are fulfilling our promise to get to the, our coverage of the finale on the same week, the finale airs and we are fulfilling a promise. Shout out to us round of applause to Mangum Talks TV. Thanks everybody for listening. Save baby Yoda. See ya. Okay, everyone, this is unprecedented. I ended the episode. I did this. See ya. We were done. Spencer and I were finishing up the files. We're doing a little chit chat. And we got talking about a question that we felt like needed to be discussed on pod. We missed it. We apologize for that. We did not discuss it in the pod. So this is your appendix. This is the the bookend, the number two part of the episode. And we are going to address a question that may come up in future episodes. And that is, Spencer, can the show survive without Grogu? Because we talked about the potential Of a Jedi showing up, someone showing up, that Grogu talked to on the Seeing Stone, and maybe Grogu actually choosing his path, in the words of Ahsoka, going with that Jedi, and then maybe the show without Grogu? What are your thoughts?
1: From the very first episode of this show, Grogu has been built up as the focus, as the heart, as the relationship between the two of them is everything it would be a very ballsy decision if they think that they can go beyond that it's like it's a weird comparison but a lot of shows run on the, the unresolved sexual tension between characters about the will they won't they being a key part of the driving plot and they never want to abandon it because once they do the show kind of gets boring or loses what was its main motivation for so many fans to tune in week to week and i worry that with how much the fan base just loves grogu loves the relationship the two of them have that if they leave that behind, if it just becomes a background thing of where we'll occasionally meet the two of them in the future, I don't know whether as much of the fan base will be will be into it or be, be as passionate about it. I I think it would be a gutsy decision. I think it might be even a good decision. Um, but it's a hell of a risk. What do you think?
0: Well, first off... First thing that came into mind. Doesn't strange, work for these characters. But strange day. comparison. <clears throat> But I think I know what you're talking about. I think I know what you're talking about. There is the the, the through line of the whole thing mm. is, will Grogu get, find safety? And if you give him safety and that's it, then what's left for Mando to do? So I honestly <clears throat> wouldn't put it past Favreau to do this, to, to, to have Grogu go off. You know, presumably with Luke to train at the Jedi Temple, maybe or maybe not get killed by Kylo Ren. Kylo, Kylo Ren, we don't know. I mean, we, we probably never will know that other than maybe books, comics or something. Maybe he'll do all that. I don't know. But I wouldn't bet on it. I would bet that this show is just as much Grogu as it is Mando. And and we will never get the show with just Mando that when we do get that resolution is what is Grogu's fate going to be? The show ends. That is my guess. I think the series finale I, is the resolution. I think so too. And honestly, man, I know that's this my, hurts you.
1: I think that's further evidence that the two don't get reunited this season. I, I, in my mind, I think that sets up that they're going to delay this because that kind of reunion, that kind of then handing off moments, it, it makes for a powerful scene of the two of them get re- reunited in an episode. And in the same episode, the Jedi shows up. And that they're finally together. They're finally happy together. But there's an ending coming. And there's nothing they can do about it. Because they both know that this is the kind of two different paths in life they have to walk kind of situation. Uh, so, I, sorry, go to,
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you may be right. I, know I you I, are. I, I'm just <laughs> going to be in a bad mood for a year. <laughs> That's it. You're, I'm just going to be an for the entire year. We're going to do pods. We're going to do Succession Season 3. We're gonna do, and this is another thing we need to address on Pod. We need to figure out what we're doing for the next show. Probably take recommendations. You and I will talk about it. But I'll be irked during all of that if Baby Yoda is not I'm back the, safely. Gonna, in gonna the like the we're gonna be like in Android season
1: Android. three of the Expanse or something, whatever else. And we're just gonna violently just sigh and say, "You know what? I don't fucking care. Baby Yoda's not here." And it's just be you know, your, your your tagline for every episode.
0: Fuck all of this. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about best line of the episode, Spencer. Baby Yoda's in trouble. Yeah, I don't know. But I think that we all need to address that question of what the hell happens um, if Baby Yoda gets resolution. Do they continue the show or is that the end? Can the show exist without... I keep calling Baby Yoda. Grogu. Can the show exist without Grogu? We would love to hear your thoughts because this is a very interesting question. So... Please, if you're listening, you have a thought about, you have to comment, uh, opinion about can the show survive without Grogu. Go to mangoptalks.com, upper right-hand corner, click Contact Us. We have a message board there. We read everything. So let us know your thoughts, uh, because I think it's a very, very important and interesting question.
1: No, I think it's a great question to ask. I think it's something the writers are probably asking themselves right now, just in terms of painting where they're going to go from here. Because, I mean, if they don't do that, what do they do? I mean, it's, it's the Star Wars galaxy. They can do whatever the hell they want, but it's essentially having to start from the ground floor again, because that's been so much of what the show's been motivated on previously. They would really have to end the season with the fan base and them having no clear idea of where they're going to go next and them having to really start fresh.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, another thing though, to, to, to just throw out there is that Disney did have their investors, uh, oh, call bad, sure. investors <laughs> conference this week and in it, um in it they did green light an awful lot of Star Wars material. More than I I mean, this is this is a bounty that I even wasn't expecting. If you would have said, hey, uh Lee, you get to pick um how many Star Wars shows Disney's gonna green light, I still wouldn't have been presumptuous enough to say the number that they ended up greenlighting. It was obscene. It was like the Obi-Wan series, Ahsoka series with Rosario Dawson. They're gonna do a live action series of that. They got New Republic going. Uh, what it, else? Was it was Coming ridges. back, apparently, too. He's coming back as Darth Vader in it the Obi Wan series, isn't that a
1: right? thing? I'm um, just <laughs> not fucking fuck with you. Man. I think it's gonna be awesome. Uh, uh, it, been a key thing to note, to people. <laughs> I know Everybody's over the moon, excited about this. There's so, many, so much more, um, so much new Star Wars material could potentially be coming out. It's important to note that none of these are set in stone yet. That these are things that have they, they have been approved, they're being optioned, they're being considered, they're being explored. I don't think it's fair to say that all of them are necessarily committed to. It's also perfectly possible some of them may never actually come to
0: light. But so only so they they actually did address this. The only ones that are absolutely happening are Ahsoka <clears throat> and Obi Wan, and I think the one about the New Old, Old Republic. Um, but but the, the, yeah, the Obi Wan one starts filming early next year. So awesome. that one, that I one know is absolutely committed to to happen. a, to,
1: a show, uh, to Ahsoka Tano in that show. You know, I'm, I'm I'm stuttering every time I say her name now, so I have to consciously stop myself. I, it's I not hard. I have uh, trained with myself uh, to say uh, so her name okay. wrong for years now, and I'm just really catching myself every time I do it. But they don't have a plan. <laughs> They don't have a plot necessarily yet. They're committed to it because it's a great idea and could be very fun to explore, but watch it. Pay attention. There's still a lot they need to hammer out before that one comes to life in the same way as Obi-Wan does.
0: Maybe, but the only thing I can guarantee... Can't guarantee any of these except for obi We can't really guarantee what Disney's going to do. What we can guarantee is what Mangum Talks TV is going to do. Because when these things get released, if and do, if they do get released, we're going to come. Damn straight. Hope i right ship so can I can piss all over. It'll be Talks fun TV. too. I'm sure you'll do that either way. Thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate you. We'll be back in a couple days with a new episode. See ya!